Yippee Kaye, motherfucker. The bunt is back. Brought to you by the number one shoe in skateboarding, Vans. And if y'all don't know, House of Vans is popping up in Calgary for a three day event, April 13th through the 15th. And if y'all ever wanted to meet the bunt live, this is the time because we is hopping on the PJ and headed right to Calgary. House of Vans Calgary will be located in the iconic Big Four building, the same place the Calgary Stampede is held. And y'all know the House of Vans is about to be a barn burner. The Stampede is going to look like diddly squat. Yee-haw, motherfuckers. Yo, is we taking it to Cowtown, you dig? The bunt about to pull up with them cowboy boots popping. I cannot fucking wait to get out there. Ants one gonna be released. D Jones looking sexy in them vans. Yo, Friday the thirteenth. Oh shit, we got the community market popping. We got the cruel jokes art expo, and yo, you know we got them local bands coming out. But the fun don't stop there. We taking y'all straight into Saturday, April fourteenth, with a fresh hangover. We got skate school popping in the morning. The girls' skate clinic is going down. Bring your boards out, ladies. Then we got the Vision Walk featuring work from eight local artists, a live mural painting by acclaimed artist and illustrator Jay Howell, and of course, photography workshop with the legend Jeff Thorburn. Let's keep it going, B. At night, we got musical headliners, dive and sheer mag live performances, doors at 8 p.m. So get your ass over to vans.ca slash house of vans to RSVP now. Oh, you thought it was over? Nah, B. We got one more day jam-packed. Sunday, April 15th. The Girls Skate Clinic is popping again. 10 a.m. till 1 p.m. Next up, it's a barn burner. The House of Vans. Best trick kicking off at 7 p.m. Yours truly in the judging booth. The Ghost, D. Jones, and local legend, Kevin Lowry. We about to unleash some never-before-heard breaking news to be specific. We are leaking the obstacles of the skate park. There's going to be an all-timers hot tub pyramid, a club gear, skatable dance floor, a miniature saddle dome, and the classic 403 skate park snowboard jump. Man, if y'all don't bring your boards to Calgary, April 13th to 15th, y'all tripping. I'm going to put it on wax right now. The all-timers hot tub pyramid, I'm calling it right now. Switch tray, bolts, you dig? Let's go. We would love to see that, my man. If y'all want to see Save a Switch Tray the Pyramid, y'all gots to be in Calgary. And then last but not least, we end in House of Vans, Calgary with the world premiere of Alzheimer's new skateboard video. No idea. Jam-packed with plenty of Vans Canada riders. Ben Blundell, Dustin Henry, E.T. You can't miss this. That's the realest talk I've ever heard, man. And take this in. The best part of the whole thing, it's all free. You heard? Vans. Off the wall since 1960. Motherfucking sick. Drop that bitch. And now, live from Studio E, The Bunt with Safer and Donovan. It is harder to come in any hotter than we just did in the Vans ad for House of Vans Calgary. 
But we still got an episode to get to, man. It's business as usual around here at the Bunt. I'm D Jones. He's the ghost. As always, Rance one behind the scenes about to be unleashed in Calgary. It's a cool thing. Still, man. What do we got popping this week, dog? Reggie, it's a fucking legendary episode. We got the one, the only, the chief, Jamie Thomas. He popped by Studio E for a fucking dope-ass interview. So hyped and honored to get the chief in the building. And you know what time it is. The post office, which is fucking blowing up these days. We appreciate y'all. And then, you know what it is. The rundown, baby. Man, every week seems to be more and more popping. Super hyped to have JT in the building. As always, make sure to follow us on Instagram at The Bunt Live. Like us on Facebook at The Bunt. Keep sending them emails to the flooded post office, thebuntlive at gmail.com. Always loving them voice notes, getting more and more every week. And man, it might be too late for y'all to head over to thebuntlive.com to get some of our Pacers collection merchandise. Because what happened, dog? Reggie, we sold out, baby. We what? We sold out, baby. Can you believe it, dog? So hype. Thank you so much to everyone out there listening. Whether you bought something or not, Bunt Gang worldwide. So you can see just how fast the clothes come and go. Next collection, make sure y'all act quick before it's too late. As we said, Jamie Thomas, the chief, is in the building this week. This man needs no introduction. Been around since the beginning of time. Still running and still gunning at 40. Nothing but respect for the Chief, man. Doing his thing for Zero Skateboards, The Stray, Rourke Clothing. You already know what it is. It's the Chief. Let's get into this thing, B. One more thing to do. Crack that fridge and grab those green cans, baby. Canada's premium Pilsner. How could I forget? The So this is a legendary episode of The Bunt. We got the chief in the building. What's going on, man? Not much, man. Just got back from uh, skating the park after work. Tried to race back here to not leave you guys hanging. Hell yeah. We appreciate you setting some time aside from your busy schedule to uh, make this happen. My pleasure. So we start every show off the same. Hit us with your favorite skate moment and your favorite sports moment. Well, two, two skate moments come to mind. Tricks that I've made that I've been on top of the world and... Two of them are, uh, well, the first one is back lip Hollywood High. It was just a couple of days before the Misled Youth premiere. I tried it on like maybe a Tuesday and uh, broke my board and did the splits and kind of like hurt myself a bit and then came back on like Friday and it was like the, the, the premiere was on a Saturday, I think. And um, I ran out of light and I just kept trying and trying because I knew it was it. It was the end. You know, there was no more time left to film. And and we were pretty much there in the dark and the smog is, you know, kind of bad in LA. So there was like the smog had settled on the top of the ground on top of the stairs. And mm-hmm. because I'd been trying it for like an hour or two, there was just a path in the smog where I could see my wheel marks and it was pretty much dark, but I just followed the path, <laughs> I just followed the path and then just kept ollieing because I'd been doing, trying it so long and couldn't like get my body and my weight right. I, I know that kids would do that first try now, but anyway, I couldn't get my couldn't get it all figured out. 
And I just, I was just thinking to myself, I'm going to try until I hook up and slam or until my board breaks again, because there's no more time. And I, I want this to be my last trick. And, uh, and then I just went and it was, you know, pretty much dark and I ended up just rolling away and I didn't even realize I was rolling away until I was like down the street. <laughs> and then I was, yeah. I, I, it seriously was the best feeling in the world just because that saga was over, you know? Um, so that's one. And I hate to say there's two, but, um, the saga at Clipper was a gnarly one too. I went, Oof. I went back and forth so many times, went up there so many times and it was the same scenario. It happened on a Thursday before the premiere and, I, I don't know, maybe I just should wait till Thursday before the premiere <laughs> to try it. <laughs> anyway, it, it just worked out and it was like such a glorious moment just to ride away and have some f- people there like to celebrate with. And I don't know, it's kind of surreal when you don't, you're not really sure if something's going to happen or not. And when it does, it's just such a rad feeling. Yeah, we just watched the, the My War on that. So boss moved to go up there and do it again, make sure those trucks are locked in, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. When you when you work that hard for something, you don't want it to be like a kinda, you know. And yeah, I I just felt like some a lot of times too. I'm sure you guys can relate to this. Once you do a trick, it like you feel in your head like, okay, I know how to do that, even though you knew how to do it the whole time. Once you do it, once you do it, you can imagine exactly what it should look and feel like. And sometimes you can just do it over again right away. And yeah. thankfully, that was one of those times. It's so weird how that works when you finally unlock a trick you've been trying for hours or days and then you just do it two or three times in a row. It, it is. It, I, feel like, I feel like that's a testament to how mental skating is. It's, it's, mm-hmm. more yeah. like, it's more like you unlocked it in your mind and you allowed everything to work. And then once, yeah, you, once you unlock it, you can just keep tapping into it. Yeah, because technically you have the skills to do it first try. Yeah, if you can do it right, yeah. but it's, yeah, yeah, it's you're, you're such ki- a battle. You're kind of in your own way, and then it, when it gets to sports, like I, I haven't really watched much sports since I was a kid. But when I was a kid, my two favorite things on on television that were sports related was Mike Tyson and Michael Jordan. And so, nice. so Can't when go I wrong with that. yeah, when I think about when I think about sports, I think about all of MJ's buzzer beaters. And how insane they all were, and he always, he pretty much always shot from the same spot on the court. And like, I don't know, I just remember seeing those. And then the one, I mean, he still had like, I think there was like twenty or thirty seconds left against the Jazz or whatever. That last one of his last games, maybe it was his last yeah, game with the Bulls. It, yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, and when he pushes off the dude's shorts and comes back and makes it, I just remember that being just the most epic thing. And just thinking to myself that I knew when I was watching it, and right after he makes that shot, they're like, that possibly could have been the last shot of Michael Jordan's career. And I just remembered thinking to myself, like, I got to see it live. I got, to, I don't know. I just remember thinking it was a special moment just because everyone knew how, you know, everyone knew how special that dude was. Uh, and then all, all the Mike Tyson fights, all those first round knockouts as a kid, like being in like, you know, like elementary and junior high school was like the best thing. Mm-hmm. He was like, yeah. he was larger than life, just like knocking people out left and right. It was like a real live, like action hero or something. He beat guys before they even got in the ring. Yeah, right? totally. <laughs> they were done. Yeah. So your career is well documented. So we're gonna we're not gonna go over every detail of you coming up. But what was your first big break in the skate industry? I think the biggest break, like the first one that realized that I when I realized that, like I got a real shot at this was, I was riding for Invisible in '93, and I had just moved to San Diego. And I started hanging out at Transworld because the Invisible office was just like down the street from the Transworld offices. I started hanging out there all the time and like, 
you know, it, like met all the photographers and was like trying, you know, getting on sessions with those guys and stuff. And I'd had a few photos in the magazine, but one day I just walked in to say hello to everybody and to see what was going on. And they just handed me the magazine and I was on the cover and it was a kickflip. Oh. It was a kickflip across a roof gap in uh, Fallbrook. And I just remembered being like blown away. Like that I remembered like feeling like, wow, this is real. Like, you know, a photo in the magazine was like insane, but having the cover of trans world as a kid, like I just couldn't, couldn't even, I don't know. I couldn't even process like the reality of that. And so Mm -hmm. I think that was the big, the biggest break that was like a turning point in my career where I knew that I had a real opportunity to make something of myself in skateboarding. And I felt like that was like when it started. Right. How old were you when the when you got that cover? Probably nineteen. Yeah, nineteen. Ooh, damn, that's dope. So, what was the initial inspiration behind Zero Skateboards? I rode for. I obviously rode for Toy Machine before Zero, and when I was riding for Toy Machine, you know, Ed kind of gave me free reign to, like to do whatever I wanted to do, like, you know, whether it was like, he needed help building the team, he needed help filming the guys, and and um, he needed help with the video and all that stuff. And I don't know if he like necessarily needed help, but he wasn't that interested in doing those things. And I was super interested in it. So I just kind of picked up the slack and just started doing it. And I realized throughout that time period that that was something that I really liked to do. I really liked to film the, you know, film the dudes and drive every, drive everybody to the spots and like kind of help I don't know, like make the missions happen and motivate the guys. And so while I was making Welcome to Hell, I realized that I may, I, I maybe had more to offer than just doing that. I could possibly mm-hmm. run a company. And so I kind of started getting the vision of doing something small on the side of Toy Machine. And that's what Zero was, a men- or that, that's what Zero was originally supposed to be. It was like um, the, we made some T-shirts, and in the in the beginning, in the collars, and you know, on the tags, it said Zero Division. No, it said Toy Machine Zero Division. That's what it said. Oh, and it was going to be like a little T-shirt line that I just did through Tomietto, but you know, every little thing that I made and every little thing that I created, it was kind of like just it just further inspired me to make more and do more. And then we made a little run of boards, and then I sponsored a few, I sponsored a few people and. And then I kind of just got more and more into it. And, and then the idea behind Zero was that I felt, I'd always felt like I was this underdog and that I represented this underdog culture of skateboarding. And I wanted to create a company that like spoke to the underdogs, that people like felt like they could connect with it. And if they didn't feel like they belonged anywhere else in the world, like they were already in skating, which was cool. But then if they didn't have a company they could relate to, I wanted to create a company for those people that felt like they were just floating by themselves and like they were, I don't know. So I tried to sponsor people that were kind of a little bit neglected or looked over and you know, that was the, the vision for it. That's what's up. Well, you picked some, you picked some studs mm-hmm. for zero <laughs> over I, a long time too. Uh, In the beginning it was, I wanted to, I wanted everyone to be really like, not unorthodox, but like, not like your typical, I didn't want to p- take anybody from any other companies and I wanted to, ju- I wanted it to come about organically and just find dudes with passion, you know? And then it like slowly progressed. And as we started making videos that were pretty legit, it started attracting more talent. Right. I never imagined that Zero would have like these heavies, you know, and 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I just felt like we'd always be this like underdog thing. And then um, over time, it kind of just evolved and, you know, changed into atta- attracting like real talent, people that wanted to be in the videos or like, you know, felt like that they vibed with the brand. Uh, no doubt. And that being said, you have an incredible eye for talent and you've put together some of the most iconic skate teams and uh, videos. But who is your personal favorite skater that's ever rode for you? Or you can give us a top three if that's too hard. <laughs> I don't think it is. I mean, somebody who, I mean, it's hard, but I just think that uh, one of my favorites that I've always had, I don't know, it, it is hard. I mean, but the original days in, in the very beginning when we put it together, it was Adrian, Mumford, Ellington. And throughout the years, like I've, I've gone through waves of, you know, kind of, staying in touch with everybody that's ridden for zero, but Ellington and I have always kind of like stayed pretty close in contact and we've always kind of encouraged each other. And, and I feel like he also from the original dudes, he's also just kind of kept it going and kept the fire burning. And, you know, he went on to run another skateboard brand and his video parts were just, you know, they almost got better and better. And I feel like Ellington is like, you know, if I had to pick, like one person, you know, I think that Ellington's like, he's the best. I love him. And we, you know, we have a a great relationship and we talk a lot and um, support each other, encourage each other and are there for each other. And like in real life too, you know, like aside from like skating and Instagram and social stuff, you know, like, and I I feel like, um, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty close with Adrian and, you know, I've been talking to Mumford more and you know, those guys and some of the guys I talk to once a year, you know, but Ellington and I text each other every once in a while, just kind of encourage each other in life. And I, I feel like he, I'm probably, the, you know, closest to him and I love his skating. So I'd have to go with Ellington. That's dope. I wasn't expecting. Me either. It's he, like was he's a, from, an old guy. yeah, back in the day. It makes sense. And I couldn't agree more about his video parts somehow getting better and better. I don't know what the fuck's in the water he drinks, but like <laughs> him and him and Reynolds, they got some yeah, sort I, of super saiyan legs. I feel like Ellington, he just has an understanding for like he's a very intelligent, he's a very intelligent dude, and he's you know he's a great skateboarder, but he has an ability to figure out what he what it is that he wants to do, and once he sets his mind to it, he follows through, and he he can he can visualize what he wants to create, and he creates it, and I, I've just always. I don't know. I've always loved watching his parts. Like they're just so rad. I love his style and I love his trick selection and all of it. It's, it's been amazing. Like even, you know, watching all of his Baker and, you know, the death wish parts, like from the outside, you know, sometimes when someone leaves your brand, you kind of like, you don't see them the same, but when, you know, he left, it never changed. It was like, I was always just a fan of his skating. Mm-hmm. Right. A man's got switch flip front lips on handrails. <laughs> it's hard not to be a fan and he's got one of the best styles in the game and one Agreed. of the most iconic clips so you rode for circa in its heyday one of the best rosters ever assembled what was going on behind the scenes as all the heavy hitters including yourself started leaving well i don't know if you guys ever heard this story but circa was owned by the same dudes that that owned forum and special blend and you know snowboard companies during that time period like they gave terms to everyone in the industry and then if there was like a shitty season, shitty snow season, then, you know, people wouldn't pay as fast as they needed to. And I guess mm. because Forum was so big at the time, they'd given terms and basically given so much product on like loan, basically on credit. 
And then I guess they just had the like, you know, the the perfect perfect storm in the sense of they had a really bad snow season and it was more terms than they'd ever extended and they owed the factories and it was just like they were hurting and they didn't have the, they had a serious cash problem and at the time they weren't prepared for it so they didn't take on they didn't do a round of investing and they didn't take any new money in and basically just had to stop paying everyone oh, in shit. order to in order to survive and you know like one month or two months at the time we were getting paid pretty good so you know we could survive but then they weren't really even giving us updates on when it was going to get better and then when they did give us an update it was like they expected us to just not get paid for an unlimited period of time oh, and and then and then all they were going to do was just pay us the money they owed us they weren't offering us interest and they weren't offering us you know any type of kind of retribution for Mm -hmm. sacrificing we were basically financing the company all of our salaries were financing the company and they weren't offering any upside to that so it it went like three four months before i like went and got an attorney and kind of went to bat to like figure it out and at that point too we were supposed to start a secondary brand off of circa you know um, because that was the original pitch they basically came to muska and i and were like hey you know, we want to do this brand with you guys. First, you know, they came to Chad and then Chad asked to bring me in. So they're like, hey, we want to do this brand with you guys. But when it, when either one of your lines get big enough or they get successful enough, we're going to we want to do spinoff brands with you guys like Jordan brand with Nike. Right. right and we right. were and, you know, and that was like the ultimate like that's why I came over. Obviously, it was a good scenario. Like Chad and I had you know mutual respect for each other and. I saw that like it was going to be a good thing for my career, but the fact that they were offering us potential shoe brands, if things were successful, I was like, all right, I'm going to put everything I have into this, you know, and also it gives me more reason to like motivation for my personal career with zero and make video parts and just continue what I'm doing because yeah. I have the ultimate carrot here. These guys are going to launch up, you know, in the, in the, the pitch they gave us was a 50-50 shoe brand. So you own 50% of this new shoe brand. And so we wow. were, my product at the time was selling really, really well in the, in the you know, 2001, 2002. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Chad's was as well, but, you know, specifically around 2002, I was, you know, the products they were making for me just happened to be on trend in a way that it was, it was, you know, a really you know, big thing for sales and the sales were justifying what they offered me. And so they were trying to stay good on their offer, but they weren't in the financial position to do that. And not only were they not in the financial position to do that, but they couldn't pay any of us. So it was not only like they weren't paying me, it was like all of the potential hope and promise was all gone like immediately. And they basically just came to me and said, hey, we can't do that brand. It's completely out of the question for the foreseeable future. And and we'd already we'd already been into sampling and we were already working on it. And Fuck. and then, you know, we had like five shoes sampled or whatever, and it was like we were pushing it, it was like only at two seasons away. And then and then they just stopped paying. And then it got to like four months, five months, four months. I hired an attorney. We negotiated for, you know, two months on trying to figure out a scenario and then around that time I, I just saw the writing on the wall that it was not even if it got better it was never going to be the same 
So I basically was just like, I've, I see that this is forever changed. And I just felt like I should get out. And at the time, my career was, you know, things were happening. I, you know, not that it's Thrasher Skater of the Year, but I got that Transworld Skateboarder of the Year thing award with them in 2002. And Dying to Live had just come out. And I was just like, I got to move now. My, my product's there. It's happening. And yeah. so... Your stock was I went, high, man. Yeah, I went to uh, I went to the D- I went to Ken Block and Damon Way and just asked them if they wanted to do a brand and they said yeah and it was just like all right I'm and then I went and negotiated an exit out of my contract and they had to pay me back and um, the cool thing was is because of they didn't pay me and because the you know ball was in my court I was able to work on Fallen for three months or four months leading up to it. So the day I announced I was off Circa, we had fallen in the warehouse at DC. Damn, that kind of works and I, out. Yeah, and I think that was the first time that that had ever happened. So it was it was kind of a, I don't know. It was even though it was like kind of uncertain and crazy feeling that you know things were working amazing, and then now all of a sudden it's just I don't know. I'm up in the things are up in the air. Once I you know got the green light from Ken and Damon, and that we were going to do fallen through DC, it was pretty much like everything worked out for the best so yeah so you got your brand in the end it was kind of a blessing in disguise yeah kind of and then the fact that that it wasn't through them and i'd always had a little bit of reservation like the two owners they were cool but i never really saw eye to eye with them and ken and damon i always had you know a ton of respect for and you know even though the circuit owners were cool i just felt like it was a better chemistry fit with ken and damon than it was with them so it kind of felt like you know, and this is kind of weird too, but right before I signed my circuit deal, when I was already leaving audio and I was going to do the circuit thing, before I signed it, I called Ken Block the day before and I basically said, hey, would you have any interest in doing a new brand that I could be a part of? And he's like, no, but you can ride for DC. And oh. at the time, at the time, DC was like really fresh. Yeah. And, and I kind of felt like I didn't fit. Uh, and I was just like... You know, because Ave hadn't kind of come out with his thing yet, you know, and it, yeah. it, it was it hadn't like changed. And, you know, Ryan Smith wasn't like, you know, on the scene because it was like 99, 2000. And it was pretty much like the whole camp was like it was all just all on the super, super yeah. tour, you know, vibe. Kalis. So, TV. yeah. So it didn't kind of seem like a good fit for me at the time. So I said, I really appreciate that. Um, but he's like, you know, we're, we're into some stuff with partner stuff right now. We can't really do it. The timing's not good for a new brand, but if circuit doesn't work out, hit me up in a few years, you know, how long's your contract? And anyway, I was like, all right, cool. I'll keep in touch. And then it basically just ended up working out. But at the same time, when I was in talks with circuit and was just about to sign, um, Kelly bird called me up and was basically saying that they were, you know, they had put Lakai together and Lakai had already started and, he had, you know, basically said like, hey, you know, Mike and Rick would like you to be a part of Lakai and they're willing to offer you ownership. And I was no blown way. away. I was blown away because, you know, as a, as a kid growing up, those guys were the pinnacle, you know, like yeah. their whole camp and everything that they did. And I knew that, you know, they were going to make amazing videos and amazing stuff. But at the time, I'd never felt any love for Mike or Rick. And so I kind of just felt like it was a business deal. Mm-hmm. And so... It didn't feel right either because it was just business. And at Circa, at least at Muska, that I had a connection with and had chemistry with. And I knew that I would enjoy that working on that stuff with him just because he's such a rad, amazing, creative dude. And mm-hmm. 
with Mike and Rick, I had no doubt that Lakai was going to be, you know, awesome, but it just, you know, and, and Kelly, Kelly too, like I'd, I'd skated with Kelly a ton of times in the past and, um, I just kind of felt like it didn't really fit either. So not, not that this isn't, this is no way is to say that I was like hot. I'm just saying that I just happened to talk to DC and I just happened to talk to Lakai before I signed my circuit deal. And wow. neither one of those, neither one of those scenarios really felt right. Um, later on, you know, Mike like expressed some outward love for my misled youth part and for myself. And I was very appreciative, you know, um, I guess he said somewhere that, that like he watched that part a ton when he was filming mm -hmm. for the trans world video. And I was again, blown away that, you know, he cared about anything that I did. Cause I'd always <laughs> saw him, I'd always saw him as like, you know, like the girl guys and, you know, Mike, I remember watching him on a kid. I mean, I, I remember watching him on television as a kid, like in the H Street videos and the Plan B videos and just, just feeling like that as a whole nother world, you know, that's so far away. And to hear that he said anything positive about something I was doing was very surreal. That's crazy. It's crazy to think, you know, how the industry would be different if you had wrote for DC or Lakai at the yeah. time. Like, Sounds like a hot knows. free agent, man. <laughs> yeah. Getting courted by all sorts of teams, offers left, right, and center. Circa was ready to pop, man. Like they came out at such a good time to have a fresh company. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I, I felt like everything was right about it. You know, mm -hmm. they made me an they made me an amazing offer, which that alone was awesome. And I didn't hear what DC had to offer or what Lakai had to offer, but I wasn't really ever into it for the money. Mm -hmm. I just, I just went with the feeling of it and. You know, even though the business dudes at Circo were kind of, they were kind of a bi little bit more business than I would have liked. I just felt like, you know, Adrian Lopez was already there and I was really good, you know, friends with Adrian, obviously. Mm -hmm. And Muska was there and I was going to be able, and, and they, they asked me like, what do you want? And I was just like, hey, I just want to make this easy. I just want what you're giving Chad. And, and, they were, and, and they were like, and I was just like, hey, I feel like, me coming to the plate, even though I know you gave Chad an amazing deal and Chad negotiated or whatever, but I feel like me coming and joining him is helping you guys round out your whole program. Mm -hmm. So while I don't think I'm as valuable as the first guy on the program, I think that coming to the program and helping round out everything that you're doing, yeah. it carries that much weight. And it also makes it really easy in this negotiation. So I don't have to feel ever weird about the fact that Chad and I are equals in this industry and that we're getting different deals. So if you guys can give me that, I'm down. And I didn't even know what that was. Yeah. I just said, I just said, give me what you're giving him and I'm good. And then they, they agreed to it. And then they told me what it was. And I was stoked that I was stoked. <laughs> Fat paycheck. My only thing that bummed me out about Circa was that we never got a video from that yeah. When you guys had the arguably the best team in all of skateboarding, like when it was Appleyard, you, Muska, Chris Cole, Caswell, Barry, the closest Adrian we got Lopez, was we got tour vids. Yeah, we had video radio. Yeah, which was sick. But I can't like if you guys had made a full length video, that would have oh shit my. on skateboarding at the time. So while we were doing video radio, I was filming for Dying to Live, and I think Chad was working on Guilty. So it was kind of like because he and I were you know, two of the main dudes, it just never worked out timing wise. And then after I was done with Dying to Live, Lee DuPont went to work for Circa. And that was the time we were supposed to make a Circa video. 
And I was going to be a part. I was going to be a part of that with them. But that was the same time that they hit the financial skids based on their whole, you know, snow scenario. And so yeah. it basically, you know, we all had full intention. And then whoever stayed, and then the new team that guys they brought on is when they made it's time. But yeah, and Lee stayed and you know did that video. But you know I had to go for obvious reasons. And Chad, kind of like eventually you know, left as well. And he would have been around for the video though, but he just, you know, he kind of got disinterested and it kind of lost the feel that we'd originally had when we were there, you know? Yeah, for sure. They had a, they had a good second win though. I like that era with uh, Windsor Tave. and Tave and Grant and everything. But yeah, that your original squad would have just been so yeah, dope for, it the, was quite for the culture. <laughs> so one snowboard season screwed us all over. Yeah, one snowboard season changed the changed the... I the just world. got into snowboarding, man. It's hella fun. <laughs> I just started too. I went with the family over Christmas for the first time since 1993. Damn. Might have been a long time too, but that shit is hell fun. It's so fun. Yeah. Still. Yo, D Jones, my man. It's officially box season in Studio E. And guess who sparked the goddamn season, B? It's Brixton. <laughs> I'm sitting here in my Claxton jacket. I don't know if I've ever looked or felt this good, B. Underneath, we got that basic crew fleece. Yo, shout out to Brixton. The boys are hyped. Brixton somehow pulled off a miracle and even Ants One's crusty ass is looking fresh in that patrol anorak jacket. My man, you have definitely lost your mind, but we are covered head to toe in Brixton. Speaking of jackets, I got the Ramsey 2 on, looking fresh to death. Paired up with the fleet cargo pant, it doesn't get any better. If you guys want to try and look half as fresh as we do, stay connected by following Brixton on Instagram at Brixton and on Twitter at BrixtonMFG. So yeah, like we were saying, you started Fallen Footwear, had a great run. Unfortunately, uh, you shuttered Diesel somewhat <laughs> recently. Did you have any regrets on not selling Fallen to DC and cashing out back in the day? No, because I wasn't selling to DC. I would have sold to Quicksilver. And it was like in the first six months of business. And that just, like, that's not why I started Fallen was to like make some cash and then live in some corporate world with Quicksilver. And I knew that I, I wasn't really that good of a businessman ever, but I knew that that's what I didn't, I knew I didn't want that. I knew I didn't want to like right. report to Quicksilver with what we were doing and have, I knew they were publicly traded. I knew that you know, the way they ran their business was like really, really corporately minded. And I just didn't ever see that. I don't, I didn't ever see working for that. I got into skateboarding so I wouldn't have to deal with that. And then I, I started my own company so I wouldn't have to deal with that. And the last thing I wanted to do was sell my company to some corporate, you know, surf company that would have ultimately dictated what I did and how I did it. And I just felt like that was wrong. So I just, I never regret it. I never regret not selling it. I mean, I feel like I should have put more money away and I should have taken more chips off the table when Fallen was crushing it. But mm -hmm. I mean, that's like a, that's the only reason I feel that way is just for the family. I wish my family was laced up more and we were like sitting fat somehow. And, but, you know, some people, you know, and I don't mean to fast forward, but, 
you know, after after I said no to DC and I took Fallen onto our own and we brought it into Black Box, like we had an amazing run and you know, it was amazing for our employees and we all got to experience this this level of success that most of us never had imagined and that was amazing. And sometimes, you know, like or in like two thousand six, um I, I won that Entrepreneur of the Year award with Ernst and Young. And yeah. I I felt like at that time would have been like we started getting phone calls from like capital investment, you know, companies that wanted to like, you know, either invest or buy the buy the company. But I never got a call from a strategic investor, like some brand in the industry that I respected. So and I I didn't really I never really got into skating to make a bunch of money. So I, I wasn't like minded in that sense. And I just kind of felt like I was enjoying myself and, you know, I, I enjoyed what we did. And, you know, I just didn't know that it could change so radically. So I was kind of naive in that sense, you know, you know, all the old, all the old dogs, they all knew, you know, that it was going to take a shit eventually, but I didn't really know that. So I was just like, you know, in the clouds just being stoked. And, you know, some people ask me like, um, do you wish you would have sold zero and it's, or not zero, but black box in the height of it all, like fall on zero, the whole thing. And, and I, I'd have to say no, because I feel like if I would have sold the companies, then I'd forever be the worst version of myself. I, I would have thought that mm-hmm. I killed it so hard that, you know, I was, I don't know, better than I was. And I would have had this level of financial success that I don't think would have been healthy. And while I don't think you know, the struggle that I'm in now is like overly healthy. I just, I prefer the struggle. I prefer being hungry and, you know, I don't know I, that my wife doesn't prefer that, but. <laughs> uh, well, maybe, yeah, there would have been more regret if you sold it maybe yeah. in a way. I don't know. I don't, I don't really think about regret so much. I just, I just feel like I go with what feels right. And, if a, str- yeah. if a strategic partner in the industry that I could have joined forces with that would have helped stabilize us and help ensure that mm-hmm. things wouldn't have been so bumpy, bumpy in the tough times, I would have loved that. And that would have been some chips off the table, meaning like we sold a portion of the ownership or something like to partner up with someone would have been amazing. But I kind of waited until it was too late to, yeah. to try and, you know, seek partnerships and, you know, things were already pretty tough and we, you know, we were in a tailspin that, you know, cause the company grew really fast and then it like, it shrank at the same speed. And that's a really, you know, that's a really tough trajectory to, to go like hockey stick up and then, you know, and then to plummet mm-hmm. down. It's a wild ride. And, um, and I, I was, you know, I was new to it. I was learning and, you know, it was tough, but I feel like um, I did a lot of growing in those years, those tough years, like probably five to seven years from like 2009 to 2015. Like, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I feel like I grew the most. Like, so I don't know. You can't, I, I don't really think about regret. I just, am, I'm appreciative for all that I learned and all that I experienced. And, you know, we had a great crew and a great run and it was a good time. And it helps me know what I want to do now. For sure. You seem like such like a passionate and prideful guy to sell one of your companies or all of them when they're in their height. It just seems like something you couldn't do to like watch someone else run your company and who knows where it's going to go. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I, I am probably prideful to, to fault, but I, I don't want to mm-hmm. be, I don't want to be prideful. I just, I want, you know, I started companies to have creative to be able to carry out my creative vision and to like make things happen with 
people that I appreciated and enjoyed and, and to see creations come to life. And I feel like, I don't know, I just never got presented with the right opportunity to, to have a strategic partnership or sell the company to someone that I really, you know, like admired and respected, you know, like, I don't know, for example, like if, if there was some way to like join forces with Keith Huffnagel and do something with Huff and, you know, I, I would be a total different scenario, but I just, yeah. I don't know. I'm just pulling him out of my, out of the, out of the air, but I'm just saying someone who, you know, someone that I like that who holds weight. Yeah. And that I admire and respect the way they do things, you know? And right. so I don't know that that's kind of it. So this is a really old rumor that's floated around forever and uh, leave it to the bunt to get the truth behind it. Did Chris Cole ever really ask you at a demo to have permission to shred and you answered permission granted soldier. <laughs> I, I don't remember it at all, but it supposedly happened on the video radio tour. And, <laughs> and I said, it That's didn't amazing. Tim O'Connor called it out in that. I think he was looking at a magazine or something. And that was like the original airing of the story. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, what's he talking about? And then, um, I asked Adrian Lopez and Adrian said he remembered it. So, oh, shit. <laughs> and so, just, and, and Adrian just, doesn't, Adrian doesn't really remember too much. So apparently it did happen. I don't remember it at all. And I'm not just saying that. So I don't look like a, you know, a, like a weirdo, like, cause that's a pretty weird situation. Um, I think it's weirder for Chris Cole, to be honest, <laughs> than you. Yours is just like a, a funny a reaction thing. Yeah. 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 I don't know. It's all pretty weird, but. I um <laughs> I don't remember it and maybe so it, it happened man. Yeah, so I don't know if it happened but Adrian says he remembers it <laughs> and and I and then the only sense I could make of it was is that if Adrian remembered it then Ryan G was there and Ryan G would have been the one that told Tim O'Connor and then I was like okay well yeah I don't I don't know what to say except I don't remember it <laughs> you know <laughs> um, that was it but it was it might not have been significant to me and I have a pretty good memory but for whatever reason, I, yeah, I don't, I don't recollect it. That's amazing. I, I love that story. That's just sounds like some playful banter. It's not like yeah, it's it sucks though. People say it to me all the time. Like I get it on my, <laughs> I get it in comments. I get it like people, really? yeah, people call it out, and I'm like, I look at them like you got to know me to say that, and I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not really backing the fact that you're saying that to me right now, and then I just, I just like. It's like the only one of the only things that people say to me that I'm not feeling because right. I don't know. I feel I feel like I, I somehow got drug into some like weird rumor story that maybe I was there, maybe I wasn't, but somehow I'm just I'm just <laughs> guilty. So it feels weird. It feels like that, you know, that like and this is something I'm not proud of either, and maybe I should just own it, but it feels like, you know, some people have like depicted me to be this like Gestapo control freak and maybe back in the day I was and overbearing and stuff and it's it's not like my my best quality and maybe I'm ashamed of it or something but I haven't really been able to own that and and find the positivity in it and so that feels like one of those types of like burns you know what I mean it's kind of and I I was known for that for like a lot of years and I kind of struggled with that because I feel like the fact that I had a successful skateboarding career and then I also was having a simultaneous successful business career put me in the hot seat and everyone was judging everything I said and did and to a whole other level. And I felt like I was like such a, I don't know, like a, 
easy target for the slap message boards. It seemed like just a heyday. Like my the way I did things mm-hmm. and what I did and how I ran things just seemed to be such a like, you know, I don't know. I just remembered, you know, feeling that immensely. And I remember making conscious efforts to like going like, shit, maybe this is true, you know, because you, you heard that phrase, you meet three assholes in a day, chances are you're the asshole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I figured, that, I figured that this was probably <laughs> one of those scenarios. And so I kind of did a lot of like soul searching about that topic. Um, no. And you can't let the slap message board get to you, man. You know what? I you think stay away from there, bro. I think that the slap message boards, I think it's like, you take away you take away the extreme people hating and you take away the extreme people loving and then in the middle is what you have that's semi real and mm-hmm. and yeah. I went in I don't know if you guys ever heard but I went in on this slap message boards you know um and kind of like went to bat with the slap community because I felt like they kind of picked me as one of those guys that they were going to just like drag them through the mud and take every half rumor and and kind of run with it and go as far as they could. And I just felt like they did that to people that weren't willing to get, get on their level and get in there and like, right, right. and get, get in and make it happen and, and, you know, kind of defend themselves or, or just kind of converse with that community. And um, right. I got kind of so tired of it. I just jumped in and then stayed there for a while. Hey, that's what's up, man. Sometimes you gotta set these people straight, and they're like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> Good to see you Chiefs on the other side, though. Man. Responded to me, um, but yeah, I feel you. You gotta you gotta take it with a grain of salt. Like, remove the extreme hate, extreme love, and I think you're right. That's a good way to look at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think you're also right in saying that it's probably because you skated and we're doing the business. Because there's other people who have reputations like that too, like. Like minor, like Jerry Sue told us, like filming with him's intense and like Ty Evans or like a Bill Weiss type, but they're not also pro skaters, so maybe they, you know, it slides under the rug a little more than for you. Yeah, I think when you have a high profile in two different places, it just puts you in a, you know, it puts you in the hot seat. That's that's kind of really what it is. But I don't know. I, I felt like I learned a lot from that slap message board scenario. And I learned a lot from, you know, people roasting me about being that way. And it encouraged me to, you know, be a little more cognizant of the way I come across and the way I, you know, communicate with team writers and stuff. And I don't know. I feel like it's, you take it with a grain of salt, but you also try and find the kernel of truth in order to inspire you to grow and progress. Mm-hmm. Right. Hell yeah. Slap message board, yo. <laughs> so you sponsored a shit ton of canadians over the years we salute you for that uh why do you love us so much and let, yeah let's name a few there's a let's go there's like sasha. let's see if we get to 10 ryan smith <clears throat> sasha, sasha jamie yeah jamie tanzani sheldon meloshinsky um, Keegan Souter, Bradley Shepard. Yeah, I don't know if he was officially on, but oh, I'm hitting a wall. Oh, right now we got Mikey Ray, JS Lapierre, Colin Are Lambert. Some? Colin, Colin Lambert. Lambert. Fuck. Holy crap! You sponsored half of Canada. But uh, Not yeah, one what, guy from Ontario though. Who? Not one. Oh, no <laughs> one from Ontario. Damn, be you sleeping on us over here in Ontario? Yeah. Tell us about uh, your your love for for the Canadian shredders up here. I feel like that Canada 
and the, a lot of the people there or a lot of the skateboarders are overlooked. And I feel like that was my whole MO with Zero was to find the dudes that weren't getting the love that they deserved. And I feel like um, it's, you know, it's, I don't think that I've made a cog, I haven't made like business decisions of like, yeah, I'm going to try and sponsor Canadians to help our business. But mm-hmm. I've just, um, I don't know, I've, there's always been dudes that I've appreciated their skating and, and um, it just kind of worked naturally. Yeah, and I think that those guys that, you know, a lot of the guys you mentioned, I think that they were semi-overlooked. Um, some of them I, like, sought after. Like, Ryan Smith was not overlooked. Like, he was getting courted by girl. He was getting courted by us, by the firm. And, wow. you know, it was... Is that I, all after the RDS part? No, the RDS part happened when he rode for Zero, right? Yeah. Or no, huh. maybe right around that time. It wasn't because yeah. of that. He, he rode for Powell, yeah, he wrote for Powell, and he just had some, you know, stuff come out in magazines, and there there was been a few trips to Toronto, and he did the frontside 180 flip faking nose grind. Oh my Ooh. god, frontside flip on hydro. hydro. Yeah, yeah, hydro, and um, he'd had some other stuff that was pretty heavy, and I just knew that he was like perfect for zero. I knew he was a perfect fit. His whole personality, the way he approached skating, how intense he was, and how motivated he was, and um, I knew that girl. And firm, like girl was probably the like competition as far as like, you know, recruiting because obviously who didn't want to ride for girl. Mm-hmm. And so I just said like, Hey, I'm coming to see you. I'm coming up to skate with you and talk and yes. hang out. So I just bought That's myself a plane. Yeah. I just bought myself a plane ticket and slept on his couch and I skated with him for two to three days and we just talked about stuff. And that was the difference. You know, I cared enough that much and I wanted it to happen and I'd, you know, I went out of my way to make it happen, and it worked out. I can't see him being on girl. No. If we're being honest, I think zero was the perfect fit. Mm-hmm. But I think it epic stuff with you guys. I think at that time, though, he was kind of, you know, as weird as it sounds, he was kind of a blank canvas because he hadn't really decided. And his career was so early, and he kind of just wore yeah. like, you know, white t-shirt and blue jeans. It was kind of like he could have gone DCs, any direction. So <laughs> yeah, and it could have gone in any direction. Um, and you know, McCrank rode for Girl, obviously, true, and, true, and, true, and, true. and he had kind of a similar vibe to McCrank, like did big stuff, but was kind of like, you know, just all business. Yeah, right. How come you never went after Mock now? Um, I felt like Smith was like the younger, like version of Mac now, and I don't know. I just felt like. Like and it was around the same time, you know, Smith and and Macnow were mm-hmm. like kind of coming up around the same time, and I don't know. I just like I liked, you know, when it was when it was possible. I felt like younger dudes were better because yeah. they could they could grow with the company, and you know, mm-hmm. and, right. and Mac Macnow always had like a proper sponsor too until later, you know, and then by the time you know he was, you know, potentially looking for a sponsor or things were changing. You know, we had had a we had a full crew, and we were starting Mystery, and you know things were going in you know different directions. So yeah. it wasn't like I could throw them a line or something. Then you know, <clears throat> um, one last quick thing about the Canadians. Uh, what's up with JS? Can we can we get a petition going to get him to cut his hair and shave his damn I, beard? I thought this whole interview was going to be about Canadian skaters. So as far as JS goes, yeah, he's I, I, there was a photo of him like for some <laughs> for some strange reason. This kid DM'd me a photo of JS like holding him in his arms. <laughs> and and the kid looked like a mini BA. And it was like 
it looked like Teen Wolf was holding a mini BA in his arms. Uh. <laughs> and, and I put it in the group text. Uh, we have a zero group text. And, um, and, and JS is too young to know what Teen Wolf is. You guys might be too young too, but the Michael, Michael J. Fox movie where oh, he's yeah, like... the movie, yeah. Yeah, basketball yeah. Basketball movie? Yeah, the basketball oh, they movie. Basketball, yeah. They did. I showed it to, I showed JS the trailer and he got all psyched on it. But at any rate, yeah, I don't know what's going on, but I think he's just feeling that earthy, those earthy vibes. <laughs> earthy, I like that. Oh, yeah, man. he's got like, he's got like crystals around his neck. He needs to hit a barber shop. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think he's there for good. Beard for good. Yeah, he's covered in hair for good. Yeah. Fuck, he's on his hippie vibe big time. I think his, his, even his eyebrows started growing more. They, like, connected. Uh-huh. He's, <laughs> he's got a yeah. full unibrow. It's working for JS, though. That fool's, he's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I want to see his pro board on, on my wall one day. So, JS. That's up to JS. Yeah, make it happen, Deggy, and cut your damn hair. So in the heyday of uh, of money making in the early 2000s and stuff, when you had your brands popping, uh, there was a lot less movement between brands for riders. And understandably, you could get emotional if someone quit. But with the way the industry's changed, has that also changed? Is it is it easier to see people come and go than it was uh, back then? I don't think so. That's probably been one of the hardest things for me in skateboarding and running a business, to be honest you put so much into the brand and you try and help people as much as you can. And there's like an emotional connection that I think goes with that. And that's always been really hard. You know, I, it obviously makes sense. Like you're there to help them in this certain place in their career. And it's possible that they'll change what they're looking for or they'll change, you know, as a person, but it never gets any easier dealing with people leaving it's it's always been hard for me and i think it's because i care so much about the brand and i'm i'm so vested i i'm you know to my fault i i'm in, i'm i'm overly invested in the riders i'm overly invested in the company and i've always somewhat known it i'm just an all in dude and yeah it's it's always hurt not always sometimes it's mutual but that's kind of <laughs> you know it's rare it's rare when it's mutual but yeah it's always been tough to deal with yeah, you'd hope they all could be like Ellington, where you you keep the respect and the yeah and the good vibes, but doesn't uh, always go down. Like it would be hard. Well, I think that the reason that went that way is because we were genuinely that. You know, we our chemistry was always good between us, even when we rode for the company. And most people that kind of leave and move move on, it's always been like they've ridden for us because it made sense for them to ride for us. But it's not like we like, you know, had this amazing bond outside of talking about videos and skating, you know? And I feel like in the early days, we were all friends as well. It was more than just riding for the brand and hooking up on the weekends to film. It was like, you know, you talked to each other and you helped each other with whatever, you know, you were going through. And then, mm-hmm. you know, as time went on, my life started changing and I got older, you know, and a lot of the, you know, riders that came about, they would be younger. So our, the things that we were doing in our in our free time and in our lives were totally different and we can't relate the same, you know? Yeah. And so that chemistry is not always there because, you know, this dude's 20 and I'm in my 40s, you know, and I have three kids, you know, it just doesn't like there's no real there's no real chemistry outside of the business relationship, you know? Yeah. Right. Right. And so I think that that's why, 
you know, that's the change, you know, because I'm still pretty close to all the dudes that rode for us that are all my age because we're kind of going through similar type stuff. Like Adrian Lopez has two kids, you know, and, you know, we talk about that stuff. And Chris Cole, like he has two kids, you know, and we, we just, I don't know. There's just like you, you kind of grow together, you know, and I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense, but. Uh, it makes perfect yeah, of sense. Course. Obviously, you're going to relate more to those guys that <clears throat> you guys grew together grew the brand together than like the next am you put on yeah it was like 17 <laughs> can you tell us the tale of josh harmony crying in paris because he felt so much pressure filming for the fallen video i don't recall that like specifically but i know that josh is very emotional and um he had ups and downs throughout filming for the fallen video and you know we kind of all did there was a lot of pressure on that video and I'm not really even sure why the pressure was so so great, but I think that Fallen was doing really well at the time, and we kind of all felt like people expected a lot from us, and maybe it was because Cole rode for it as well, and we knew how gnarly his part was going to be. <laughs> but for some reason, I mean, Matt Bennett went through a similar scenario. It wasn't like, I don't think it was crying, but I just remembered it being like pretty emotional for everybody at times. Everyone had, you know, like, they were pouring so much into it, and when you you know you can't get things to go your way, or you're overly you know th thinking about what you need to do, to, you know overthinking it basically. Sometimes that that happens, but you know Josh has always been emotional, and you know he's he's always been I don't know either you know really up or down, or it, there's just always been a lot of passion and emotion with what he did, and I don't really recall that incident though. But yeah, that video had a lot of weight though. I remembered filming for it. And I was dealing with some, some knee injuries at the time too. And I just remembered like just hoping I was going to be able to like pull through and not be like, you know, a waste of space in the video. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, I could put myself in, in your guys' shoes kind of. It's kind of, there's probably like, no, I just mean in the Excuse sense. Excuse you? In the sense of like, <laughs> I could feel the pressure. Filming, filming for what? For, for the first Fallen video, and it's like, it's probably What were you not, filming for, though? No, I just mean I pressure. could understand. <laughs> the first Red Star video? No, I'm saying I could understand, like, uh, them feeling the pressure. I could sympathize, oh, it makes exactly. Sense for sure, yeah. Because, like, look at your teammates, and it's yeah. the first Fallen video. I thought you were trying to And it's a gnarly roster, that. like... Okay. It's a gnarly roster, so everyone's like, fuck, yeah, like, 100%. Chris Cole just Anyone did this last week. Yeah. Like, I got to fucking do this. So yeah, Cole. That's all I'm saying, Donald, you <laughs> bitch. Cole was absolutely on fire in the fallen days. Like, New Blood and, and, and Ride the Sky Ooh, was, was like, ridiculous. yeah, it was gnarly. Like, so when we went skating with him, it was, it was humbling for anyone. It would make anyone cry mm -hmm. that had to be in a video next to him. <laughs> it, was, it was really gnarly to watch him. And that, you know, that, you know, you know, those moments, you know, those moments where you're just like, you're the best you'll ever be, you know, and I, I, I'm not trying to take anything away from anything Cole's done since then, but watching him in that time period was just out of this world. Yeah. You know, it's funny, me and Mitch, when we were in Miami, we just, uh, we watched that part and I said, I think this is his best part ever. Like it's a little underrated of a part. Like most people yeah. <clears throat> think about, um, the two zero parts before that, but I think Ride This Guy was definitely like the peak of his powers. Yeah. I so think that savage. You're, you're, I would have to agree with you, but I think that that New Blood part when he three flips Wallenberg had like, it had the, the, the raddest feel in the sense that yeah. he was just yeah, yeah. getting it and every trick wasn't epic. So it had this like raw, like, you know, 
he's arrived feel, you know, and like just him kicking his board with his shin up the stairs. And I don't know, I, that, that new blood part is probably my favorite, even though I know that ride the sky technically is probably a gnarlier part. I just like that new blood part so much. I just feel like yeah. it was like, it was like when he'd finally come into his own and all the rumors about what he wore or about what he did or what he said, it was like all put to rest. Like this dude is here to stay and he crushed. It was, it was amazing. And, and you know, the talent wise though, by the time, you know, that was 2005 and then two, the fallen video came out in 2008. So he'd, you know, those three years, he basically worked on the fallen video pretty much. And yeah. Yeah. It, no, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, new blood. Actually, you know what? Maybe my favorite Chris Cole part is probably dying to live. Same. The, Just song, the song renegade was, baby. was too good, but yeah, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> that was on everybody's disc man. Renegade. Maybe, maybe uh new blood was more impactful, mm-hmm. but it was his welcome moment or actually, no, he's had a few welcome moments. Every part he dropped back then was like, Holy fuck. But ride this guy was probably the peak of his powers, but yeah. less, iconic than new blood and dying to live when we filmed and when we filmed dying to live i had never skated with anyone like him i i mean i i'd skated with cole on the circuit trips and that's kind of where our relationship started and he was you know bummed on writing for world and then bummed on enjoy because they kind of were back burner in him and that's where the conversation started you know discussions for zero but when we were filming for dying to live you know, as a filmer, you know, part of your role is to like make suggestions at spots and try and help the guy like figure out what it is that, you know, he may be able to do there that's good or cool or that'll fit or that'll, you know, whatever. Anyway, I feel like he was in this spot where he'd never had anyone doing that for him. And I would just think of tricks that I'd seen him do at demos or wherever. And I, I, you could just make suggestions and he would do them in just a couple of tries. And it was like, <laughs> It was basically like filming that video part with him was like, he's like, oh, what do you think would be good here? And I would just like throw out a couple ideas and then he would take those and do those like first or second try and it'd be like, that's not even like a challenge. And then he would like kind of, yeah, he would up his, and he would, you know, make suggestions and it was kind of like we were really collaborating. Like I would come up with like the first couple of suggestions and then he would just one up whatever I said because I didn't, I'd never skated with anyone with that much like raw talent. (laughs) So yeah. I, it was, it was kind of in the beginning, it was hard for me to imagine what he could actually do. You know, I right. was like, I was like, yeah, front crook and then backside nollie heel, the three stair right after. And he's like, ah, I don't know. I feel like I could do something better down the stairs. And I was like, that's only like eight feet away. You know, that, that line where he does front crook and then backside 360 kickflip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then he's like, what do you think about, you know, like backside 360 kickflip? I haven't filmed one of those before. And I was like, do you think you could do that after that that close after a front crook? And he's like, yeah, I think so. And I think he did it. I, I don't recall how long it took him, but I think he did it like nothing. And we were just like blown away. Like you could just throw ideas out there. And it was like you were playing a video game. Like, you know, you're like, you know, you're throwing the idea out and he's just making it happen. That's so dope. I actually love throwing ideas out there to, to the homies. I wish I could have fucking skated with Chris Cole. That'd be fun. Yeah, you're good at <laughs> yeah. tricks. Uh, I mean, after that, after Dying to Live, he kind of had an idea of what he wanted to do everywhere he went. And that was just that one time period where he was trying to find his groove with what we were doing and trying to figure out what worked and figure out how we worked together. And I just remember thinking that it was crazy, like anything you could throw out. And then some things, 
he would just be like, I want to do this. And I would be like, dude, I don't even know if that's possible. I'm going to sit back and watch this. You know, like he back, he back nose blunt slid that table at Sants on flat. And at the time, yeah. at the time, people were really hyped if you were back nose blunting a bench. Like back nose blunts were kind of like the holy grail and like not that many people did backside nose blunt slides. And he said he wanted to do that. And I was just like, how are you going to do that? How is that humanly possible? And I just yeah. sat there, I just sat there and watched him do it. Enjoyed and, the show. Yeah, and I was just like, all right, this is this is a whole nother realm of skating that I never, you know, I don't even know anything about. <laughs> so we recently had Jamie Tanzani on the pod, and he said you two didn't always see eye to eye. He went on the Zero Summer Tour with you guys last summer, but uh, what happened to prevent him from getting back on the team? I think what happened was the same kind of reason he left. So. When the opportunity, I mean, when the scenario came back, Windsor basically said, hey, Tansoni's been killing it. He's filming for Netney's part and his part's amazing. You gotta see his footage. And I was just like, hey, you know, we, we're a small company now and we, we can't afford to take anybody else on, you know? Like, I don't, I don't wanna, I'm gonna have to take away from somebody else in order to provide what he would need, you know? So anyway, I sat down with him and talked to him and it was like the most humble, straight version of Jamie I'd ever gotten. And I saw his footage and it was insane. Like his, all the footage he had, he had basically almost two parts that he sent over and they were so good. It was like he was skating better than ever. And I know nice. you guys might not have seen the Etnies video yet, but um, his footage he had for that was just like, it was amazing. So I was like, wow, like he is properly killing it. And you know what it's like, like if you see really good footage of somebody, you realize they have to be in a good mindset in order to be able to get all this done, especially later in life. They're not a kid anymore, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, wow, if you know, he's in the mindset to make this happen and these guys are talking about like, you know, maybe he get back, he gets back on and we give him a board every once in a while. And this is, could be a really cool thing. You know, like I'm all for the nostalgia play. I loved when he rode for zero. I loved his strange role part. It was insane, you know, and I, I loved skating with him when it felt good. But then there was this whole party aspect that came into the picture that, and it, partying is one thing, but if you're partying to such a gnarly level that it's affecting everybody that you're with, that's a whole nother thing. So I felt like right. I felt like he couldn't he couldn't turn that off. So at any rate, it seemed like he'd grown up a ton and that he'd gotten past that. And so we invited him on the summer tour to see how it went and if it went well, then, you know, we would figure out the next steps. And so he flew into the trip and his birthday was the day after he flew in and then Windsor uh -oh. and then Windsor's was like 3 days later and they pretty much just partied from his birthday to Windsor's birthday before a day before Jamie's and then a day after Windsor's. And so it was just this like total like repeat of what had happened before. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, I remembered basically the turning point for me was, is that, you know, we were staying at Bam's house and Bam's wife was pregnant and those guys stayed up raging like all night and Bam like turned in at like two or something. He was partying with them for a while and then he went to bed and like, I remembered going upstairs and like whatever, being on my phone or something and then kind of going to sleep and then felt the whole house shaking because Bam lives in this two-story house. And I, I uh, was like, what the hell is that? And I woke up and then I heard like knocking around downstairs and I went downstairs and it was him and Tommy. They basically moved all the furniture out of the kitchen and they were having this like ultimate wrestling match where like they, they had beef basically and they were going to wrestle it out. And then... 
because, because they were kind of like fired up at each other when I walked in and was like, what the hell are you guys doing? Like Tansoni, like fronted on me. I was like, dude, everybody's asleep. Like it's, what, what are you doing? It's five in the morning. And he's like, you're not asleep. And then he kind of like fronted on me and it kind of looked like he like, I don't know. It was like wanted some. And I was just like, this isn't going down like this. And I just was like, all right, dude, whatever, man, you know, cut that shit out. It's time to go to bed. We're staying in somebody's house, have some respect. And I went back upstairs. I went back upstairs and that was like after three or four days of partying. I just thought to myself, like this, this, this isn't going this way. Like Tommy and Windsor tend to party a bit on tour. And then I was like, we basically just have uh, the third person's the the Molotov cocktail that'll make this, you know. And I just was like, this isn't going to work out. So at that moment, I went upstairs and just had, you know, made up my mind, like, yeah, this dude rips and his footage is amazing, and I like him as a person, but mm-hmm. I don't think this is a good fit. So I basically told Windsor on the way to the airport the next morning. Windsor partied all through the night and just got in the car straight from there and drove to the airport, and we dropped him off. Wow. And Tansoni flew out like two or three days later. And we kind of kept the trip going and, you know, I'm not trying to talk shit or anything. It just, at this point, I think that he goes through phases of, you know, partying is the priority and, and yeah. he just happened to choose maybe the wrong time or the wrong, if he wanted to get on zero, it was the wrong time to choose partying over what we were doing. And he ripped the demos too. And all, in all fairness, he still ripped, he still ripped the demos. Um, he was a little bit partied out. So street skating was tough and we didn't really have that many opportunities to street skate. So you kind of had to be sharp in order to take advantage of when they came about. But then he ended up, he ended up missing his flight the morning he was leaving too. And, you know, kind of, I woke him up because I guess he went to sleep. Like he drank, like he drank Hennessy and went to sleep listening to music and the music drained a phone, drained his phone and his battery died. So his alarm didn't go off. Oh. And so, and so, uh, he was late to the airport. I drove him to the airport and then I got back to the, you know, the hotel or our Airbnb. And then he called me and said, he forgot some stuff and he wanted me to bring it back to the airport for him. And I was like, yeah, man, sorry, we can't, we got to go the opposite direction. So <laughs> it was kind of, it was kind of just like, it wasn't meant to be. And it, it just, you know, it, it, it didn't work. It just wasn't working. Yeah, it wasn't working. Yeah. And, and it's a bummer because I, I kind of feel like, that's not the normal him right now. It was just the timing of it. It just wasn't good timing. The yeah, fact, yeah. you know, if I would have gotten, good. yeah, but it showed you that he still got it in him, right? So yeah, that's kind of how I felt about it. I, I kind of felt like, yeah. you know, he's an amazing skateboarder and he's a great dude. Like we still hug each other every single time I see him. There's nothing but love, you know. But yeah. it just, you know, it just wasn't You're a not good. Not cleaning up that puke one more time. No, I'm not cleaning <laughs> up the puke anymore. And and I, I don't know. Yeah, again, I got nothing but love for him. And, you know, his strange role part, his LE part, his Etnies part, like his skating is amazing. And he's a good dude. And, you know, I, I was thankful to be there and to throw a pro party for him that his mom came down for and hug her and just kind of see his dreams come, be a part of seeing his dreams come true, yeah. you know? that nice. th- That's an awesome experience. And nothing will ever take that away. It just, you know, for us and where Zero's at right now, we're small and, you know, it's... We, we got a couple of dudes that are already like to go for it and we don't, you know, we don't need mm-hmm. more fuel to that fire. Well, that being said, I can't wait for his, uh, his Etnies part. Yeah. I'm, I'm super pumped for it's, that now. It's front heels like I've never seen. He front heels a table and he's like a foot or two above the table and it's the best front heel I've ever seen in my life. Damn. Uh, so these days, 
You're riding for the Stray footwear. What's up with the Stray? Who's on the team? And what do you guys have on the go? Stray, it's not, I mean, it is a team because, you know, dudes are sponsored by it. But I think that Angel, you know, the founder of Stray, that same, you know, the dude who founded Crew and Supra, um, I think he has a different vision of how he wants to roll it out. So even though we're on the team, it's more like we're just like, we're partners in repping the brand. And it's not... Ambassadors. Yeah, kind of. I mean, ambassadors is kind of a weird word, but it's more it's more to that because he doesn't have any skate expectations for us it's not he doesn't want us to film video parts and he doesn't care what we do as long as whatever we do we represent stray and he feels like okay. he he wants it to be more of like a i mean it's kind of weird to say a lifestyle brand and not all about okay, skating okay. not all about skating but because he has love for skating and that's where he comes from he just he he just feels like it i mean i can't speak for him but it seems like he just wants skateboarders to be the guys representing it on the front lines Mm -hmm. and then i think that you know muska and i with the chemistry we've had over the years it it was you know just kind of made sense to come together again and do something in our latter years of our careers and just kind of you know work together and you know he he uh, gave us a little bit of ownership in the brand and um you know and then there's some other guys that just you know basically get a paycheck and are, you know, affiliated with it. And it's, it's me, Muska, Braden and, and, uh, Antoine Dixon. And, um, yes. And that's, that's uh, awesome. yeah. And I think that besides myself, it's guys that Angel was close to, you know, like his friends that he already has a relationship with. So I think that that's kind of the vibe. It's just a, it's a lot more relaxed than any, you know, shoe brand I've ever ridden for because, you know, basically our, our roles are to promote on our social and to just be ourselves and represent Stray with whatever we do. And, you know, it's it's really casual and really mellow, you know, for what he wants from us. But, I mean, he basically just sends out and he's like, hey, can you guys represent these shoes? We're dropping at this date, you know, and it's mm-hmm. it's pretty mellow. So, I, you know, we're free to do it however we want. They don't They don't put strict rules on us or anything. It's just... He's trying to have fun with it. I think he's ran some pretty serious businesses throughout the years. So he's trying to like basically, and he also knows too that that everybody's following the same set of rules right now, you know, minus yeah. minus all the kids that are starting young companies because they don't even know the rules. And so yeah. to be to be in the industry for as long as he has, I feel like he's trying to reinvent himself in the sense of he's not following anybody's rules. He's like making his own. And that's why he's not afraid to just offer a low price and like he's done some blowouts where he's like three days, every, all shoes are two for one and stuff. Like he's doing crazy stuff that most, yeah. pe- most people would think devalue the brand, but he's just experimenting and kind of like, I don't know, just doing his own thing. And I, I love it. I just love that there are no rules and we can do whatever we want and he's doing whatever he wants. And, you know, in the beginning, it was really uncomfortable for me, like the Insta- watching the Instagram go down just because, you know, he, I don't know, I'm not sure if he's ever ran a brand Instagram before and he was just experimenting with all types of stuff. And I was like, whoa, there's like, you can't do that or you can't do that. And then eventually I just had to realize that this thing's just gonna like, it's gonna grow into whatever it is. It's gonna evolve and to not trip out about it. And he encouraged me too. He's like, hey man, each little thing we do is not gonna make or break this. This isn't your brand. It's not the brands you've been involved in. It's not the brands I've been involved in. We're just gonna let this, we're gonna just have fun and experiment and see where this goes. And yeah. and when he told me that, I kind of was like, 
you're right. Yeah, I'm tripping out. I'm, I'm like comparing this to everything I've done in the past and it's nothing like it. So I just, I just started rolling with it. And when I, as soon as I embraced that like mentality, it just got so fun. And I just, I love it now. I'm just so stoked to, you know, be, be involved with something that has no rules and, you know, we're just seeing where it goes and it's cool. Damn, man, that sounds like something uh, even I could pull off. You guys need an extra rider? <laughs> no video parts needed. <laughs> just, just lifestyle. Oh, that is you know right up your damn alley. <laughs> So speaking of new things you got going on, you just launched your very own podcast, Thrill of It All. Welcome to the gang. Tell the people what's really good with your podcast. Dude, I don't even know if anything's good about it. I guess the guests are good. I'm new to any type of interviewing or journalistic role, so I kind of feel lost a bit. But I kind of like that at the same time because I feel like I'm growing and I'm learning. So I kind of just jumped right in. I feel like the reason why I'm doing a podcast is because the way stories are told right now is like there's not that many outlets for stories and i feel like i feel like um instagram is very two-dimensional and i feel like everyone's instagram is a polished turd polished you know (laughs) polished version of their life and and i feel like that for myself as well and i think that i think that the conversations whether I suck at podcasting or I suck at interviewing or I'm learning or I'm evolving, I feel like at least it's true and it's honest and it's like who I really am. And I just want to, I don't know, experience that. And then I, I just feel like it gives me an opportunity to connect too with amazing individuals and have this like story time. Like I've always been such a gnarly fan of skateboarding. And a lot of times when I see people that, you know, I admire or respect or whatever, I, I like want to talk to them just because I know, you know, I appreciate what they've done for skating and I appreciate what they, who they are. And I, I love when I get to talk on the phone with people and see people at, you know, whatever, a contest or at some event. And I, I love catching up with people. And I realize that some of those conversations are so like insightful and inspiring. And I just thought it'd be cool to share some of those conversations with the world. So yeah, that's, that's, that's it. The MO is, I've felt like that what people have reached out to me and, you know, expressed to me is that I've inspired them in some way, maybe because, you know, I came from Alabama or because, you know, things haven't been easy or I've pushed myself in order to make a career happen. And I don't know, maybe, maybe that I've worked hard or something, or I don't know, whatever I've offered them over the years has been some sort of inspiration. And I feel like if I could connect with others, and ask them about what inspired them maybe it could you know further inspire other people i don't know it sounds kind of like i don't know weird it's all about inspiration but i feel like we all need encouragement we all need inspiration and if i can help facilitate and talk to the people that i admire and respect and see what makes them tick it'll inspire me and inspire the listeners no doubt man fuck hype to have you in the podcast ranks thanks I feel like people are always like trying to compare skate podcasts and shit like that because they're new. But like what I always say is there's, you know, thousands of sports podcasts. You just pick whatever ones you love and the more the better, in my opinion. So uh, hype to be tuning into yours. Thanks, man. And, uh, I, 
hyped to see the guests you get on and stuff. I, I agree. I feel like because there's so few podcasts in skateboarding right now, that's the only reason it's competitive, you know? Um, but, and I think that it's cool to listen to something and go, this is rad in this way, but if I did it, I would do it different. And yeah, I, I look forward to that. I've always liked that about skating because, you know, you can do that with a brand. You can do that with your skateboarding. You can do that with your grip tape. You can do it with anything you want. You can, you know, do it your own way and make it your own. And I mean, it'd be weird if I went into it and like, you know, took your guys questions or, you know, did it, you know, a long drawn out well at the beginning of my podcast, you know, but <laughs> obviously, obviously I wouldn't do that. You know, I have respect for the guys at the nine club and I, I talked to Chris before I did it and we've already had an overlap with one interview and it's kind of been a little, it, it was our first weirdness, you know? Um, yeah. And then you know, you guys have a whole unique version of the way you do things. You know, it's more like a sports podcast than it is, you know, a traditional like interview style, even though this one's kind of taken a more of a traditional stance. But yeah, I don't know. Everyone does things differently. And I, I respect that. And I like it. And I think that obviously 2018, I feel like there's going to be more podcasts coming up. No doubt. The more, the better. Mm -hmm. Let's give the people what they want, man. You yeah. Know what I'm saying? Give them that variety. Let the stories be told. Man. Yep. <clears throat> if you're a true skate nerd, you can just listen to them all. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to pick sides. Absolutely. So there's been a couple sightings of the man, the myth, the legend, John Alley, on uh, on your Instagram lately. What? Tell us what's happening with uh, Mr. Alley. Can we expect uh, some big things? He's looking crispy out there, that kickflip over the rail. At the yeah. Um, that flick, man. I know, I know. He's got an amazing kickflip. But I saw John at a skate park. Uh, maybe over the holiday, like over the holidays, like break, like Christmas time. I saw him at a skate park and he had just expressed to me that he was a bit frustrated with Slave and that he felt like he was probably going to make a change soon. And um, I think that his frustration was is that he didn't have the time to invest in Slave and then that, that Slave Ben also shared his time with his art career and he didn't know what was going on and there wasn't like a team element or if there was, he wasn't involved in it and he wanted to be a part of, you know, a team element. And, um, but at the same time, I think he's, you know, he's working a full-time job. He's a superintendent for a construction company and he manages, Okay. yeah, he manages, um, construction projects. So I think for what he's looking for from skating was just a crew of people to like hang with and skate with, and then maybe work on some projects, you know, on the weekends. Mm -hmm. And so, he basically asked me what we were up to and I told him that, you know, we filmed together on the weekends and we were filming for a new zero video and we we're doing it super old school, traditional, like, you know, VX. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and you know, we're even putting out DVDs, um, which we haven't done in a while. So, um, and I told him about it and he just got really stoked on it. And I was like, you know, you're, you're always welcome to join whatever it is we're doing at whatever level you want to join it, you know? And, um, he was like, all right, well, let me talk to Ben and I'll figure out what's going on with Slave and then I'll, I'll be in touch. So he called me up and was like, yeah, I quit Slave. And I was like, whoa, really? And he's like, whoa. and he's like, yeah, serious. Could, I, could I come by and get some boards? And I was like, yeah, sure. And so, you know, and the funny thing is I gave him from eight and an eighth all the way to eight and a half. He was like exploring like, yeah. you know, and he really likes to, he really likes to talk shapes, like the, the length of the noses, tails, wheelbases, concaves and i designed all the the zero shapes and concaves for like the past 20 15 20 years or the whole time actually so 
I basically knew all the dimensions of all the boards and he was really excited to talk about all that stuff because he's really into that and he hasn't had someone he could talk about that with since he quit zero, you know, back in the day to ride for right. slave. And so he was super stoked. Anyway, um, he tried all these boards out and has been loving them and he's just super stoked. And I basically told him like, Hey, you know, we can reissue some boards if you want. But how I work is, is that if you want to do current, if you want to film and make a part or make a commercial or make something, then we'll put out a new graphic. And if you just want to skate and do your own thing and do Instagram and not really worry about making anything new, then we can do reissues. Okay. You know, that's sick. And so we decided to do reissues to start with him to not put any pressure on him. And then He's, he's been going out with the team a little bit, which you saw, mm -hmm. you know, um, and then um, he wants to film for the new video and I put no pressure on him. I just said, you know, whatever you want to film, you want to film one trick, you know, I can put, we can, I can put like five tricks in my part if you want, or if you want to film a part, you're welcome to do that. And he's just like, okay, well, I'll just start going out with you guys every weekend and then we'll just see what I can do. So we have two reissues in the works for him for some, for back to like July back to school. And then we have potentially, you know, we could include him in some new boards. I just told him we could, you know, once he gets some footage, we could start making, start designing some new graphics. And so, you know, there's no pressure, but he's, he's motivated and he's skating and he's stoked. And he, he says he has stuff that he wants to do and he has spots he wants to do it at. So we'll see, you know. You just made the ghost a very happy camper, man. Yeah, that's definitely music to the ears of everyone listening. I feel like John Alley's an ultimate myth, legend type of dude. Just his parts. The man. barrage yeah, of flip-ins and, and dying to live will never be forgotten. Yeah, it was good. And I, I think that the way it came about so organically and so naturally is perfect, you know. Yeah. And and we've both we've both grown up a lot. Um and I think that I don't know, it feels like really natural. Like we have great conversations and you know, I kind of was just like, Hey, you can you can plug into what we do at zero at any level you want, you know. We can just give you boards and you can just ride the boards and go skating with us and then no pressure at all. Or if you want to film tricks, you can film tricks, you know, if you want to release some reissues. I think at the very least people want to see some reissued boards. Mm, for sure. So you know, we picked a couple of graphics that, you know, were rad and we have a taxi driver reissue and a slasher reissue. Those are two of his like radder graphics back in the day. So Sick. they're coming out in July. And yeah, and I think we'll maybe just make some Insta edits of some of his older stuff, you know, that came out around the time those boards came out, like his stuff from New Blood or something. Yeah. And, and, then, um, and then try and see if he gets a few tricks for the video and, you know, we could put them wherever, wherever is appropriate, you know. I don't know. It's just rad that we're filming a video and that we're doing it the way we did it back in the day. Like we're back in the trenches of doing that, filming each other. Like Dane, mm -hmm. Dane films like pretty much full time, and he's like helping make sessions happen. And we have we have a filmer Austin that's always you know that's down as well. And we're just kind of out there doing it, just trying to make it happen with VXs. And a lot of people, a couple of people got jobs. And I don't know. It's cool, man. It feels it feels right and rad and. I'm excited to film as well and have a part. I haven't had a part in four years or something. Wow. Looking forward to it. So. That's amazing, man. So you want to be a gypsy. <laughs> Come on. Are you okay? Yeah. Kick front tail clipper, baby. <laughs> oh, I'm excited, man. I'm, uh, it sounds like fucking you guys are on the up and up. I'm loving it. Like, dudes, everyone gets older. Dudes are fucking managing construction sites, going skating on the weekend. We're all just humans. It's fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I think that <laughs> zero's in a good place. 
like we're small and we're doing it for the right reasons and it feels good and we got a good group of dudes that are all contributing and making it happen and I'm excited to see what comes together for this video. Yeah, I don't know. We're trying to take it back as far as we can to like the roots of zero and the whole team is like really into that and you know, I'm psyched to edit it and trying to give it that feel and um I don't know. I, we'll, we'll see what we'll see what comes of it. Um, I did a little rough edit of my own part, and I'm really excited. I, I got enough footage already to get like a, a little part together. So we'll see if I can get anything more between now and then. Amazing. The Thursday, Thursday before the vid drops. <laughs> yeah. you Hammer and, time. <laughs> you and Reynolds, man. I don't know what the hell. You guys found the fountain of youth somehow, still pumping out parts. When man's like me, I'm 29. I can barely walk down the street. Fuck six. But uh, with that with that said, what's next for Jamie Thomas? I think that this uh, this podcast is is something for me. It's I've bitten off a bit more than I thought. <laughs> you know, like I, I I basically wanted to I want to do it by season mm-hmm. um, because I don't want I don't want the grind of having to do it every week and people being disappointed when it doesn't show yeah, it's up. Tough man, that's what we do. So I was going to do it by season and then not even drop the first one until I have the whole season done. There you go. And that's why I haven't. I haven't really talked about it too much. I've just teased it a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, because I don't want people to get mad at me that it hasn't come out yet, you know, but at the same time, I don't want others, you know, others to dictate when it happens. Yeah. So I'm trying to get a season of 12 episodes done before I release the first one. Um, and I'm only two interviews away from having all of them done. So Ooh. the podcast is definitely some, something I'm focused on. And then uh, this video part, you know, I'm... I'm trying to make it a real part. That's something that I'm like stoked for other people to watch. You know, I think that Instagram is cool because you can see what people are into and it kind of helps you, you know, know what you should focus on. But for me, I feel like at this stage of my career, no one expects anything of me. So, you know, like when you're in your forties, like no one's expecting you to jump off anything. So if you do, they're stoked. And so, and I really like, jumping off stuff and I really like filming and I like being productive so I'm gonna see what I can do with that and then other than that I'm also trying to really tap into zero and try and do the best job I can with it and I feel like it's it's starting to click people are starting to dig the graphics and dig the direction and it's not you know it's not like any credit to myself but we have a group of guys that are you know soup the team and Dane and you know Adam our sales dude and Kurt our TM and we have a you know, a designer here and everybody's just like really invested in the brand and everyone's like encouraging it, you know, but I feel like kind of getting back to our roots. We have a really small office, a really small operation, you know, and we're filming an old school video again and it just, I don't know, things feel cool. And so that's kind of, you know, that's it. And then I'm, you know, always trying to hang with the fam and spend time with them and, and then, you know, grow as a person as well. You know, I feel like a lot of times people give up around, you know, their midlife zone and they just kind of get really complacent and just, you know, just accept the hand that that, that life's dealt them. And I want to keep growing and keep making, you know, keep keep doing new stuff and learning, keep learning. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of it for me. Love it. Hell yeah. Oh, my bad. We got one more bonus question. Mitch Barrett, a.k.a. Mystics, wants to know why you never put him on mystery back in the day. Look out, you bastards. Geeks, 
Yo, it's Rapid Fire with the Ghost. And this week, we brought to you by Burling Skate Shop in Ottawa, Ontario. You know what I'm saying? Burling is a true skater's skate shop working with the skaters of Ottawa to make something special. Burling just got in the newest stuff from Polar, and you know they stocked up on that passport and quasi. So go check them out online at burlingtheottawa.com and definitely get there and check it out in store. And before we hop into rapid fire, let me just take this opportunity to announce a little contest we got popping. If you can tell us who answered Bag of Suck for their favorite video, you're walking away with that person's pro model board. You dig what I'm saying? So, yo, go back in them episodes, figure it out. First person to email us at thebuntlive at gmail.com is getting a board. You dig? All right, it's time for that rapid fire with the ghost starring the chief. <laughs> Favorite skater? All time Cardiel, hands down. Favorite video? H Street Hocus Pocus. Favorite video part? Uh, life video, Soldier Story, Sean Sheffy, and H Street, Hocus Pocus, Matt Hensley. Favorite style? All time, I'd, I'd probably have to say Donnie Barley. And then, and then modern, modern day, I just have to throw it out there. I think it'd be Wes Kramer. Nice. Most talented skateboarder on planet Earth? I mean, I'd have to say Nija. Favorite trick? Backsmith. Hardest trick for you? Hard flips are pretty damn hard. Most illegal trick? Nolly feeble. <laughs> Tell JS that he nolly heels in. <laughs> oh, he he's heard about it. I don't think he does them anymore because Dane, Dane gave him so much shit for him. <laughs> Favorite clip you've ever gotten? Probably Clipper, Impossible Fifty. Gnarliest trick you've ever witnessed? Chris Cole three sixty flip Wallenberg. Not that that trick is the gnarliest, but he tried it. That was sixty nine tries. Wow. Anybody to jump down Wallenberg 69 tries and actually get the make and right away, it was a glorious thing to watch. That's insane. What's the one trick that got away? The most recent one that got away was I was trying to front feeble the clipper. Oh. I was going back and forth between front feeble down clipper and impossible 50, and everyone just thought I should focus on the impossible 50, so I ditched the front feeble, and I feel like I could have done that, and I never did. Damn, that would have been sick. Sorry, I mean, I think that it's safe to say that the leap of faith was the one that got away. True, 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 true. (laughs) What's the last new trick you learned? Probably Bennett grinds. If you never started skating, what would you be doing? I feel like I'd be in the rodeo or something. (laughs) I know that sounds crazy, but I feel like riding like bulls or something would have been like the equivalent. Yeah, getting that adrenaline rush. Yeah, or just like... I don't know, just destroying my body for something that I loved. I feel like those dudes do that. Yeah. What's your favorite Wade D clip? I, I'm excited that this came up. because I mean, I obviously know it's in every episode, but everyone says the heel flip back Smith, and that's a hard one, or the switch flip switch front feeble. But his varial heel at new spot, where the board just like is, goes straight to his feet. Oh, and the yeah. biggest red sweater. Yeah. That yeah. That, wow. that clip was amazing. Favorite local skater? I think those kids I skate with, those are my favorite locals. Cruz and Dylan. Those kids rule. Sick. They're fun and they, I don't know, hanging out with them makes me feel like I'm a kid again. They rip too. Favorite teammate ever? I think Adri- Adrian Lopez. He's good. <laughs> Worst teammate ever? Trainwreck. Oh. oh. 
During the time when Trainwreck quit that summer tour, it was the absolute worst. He was sick before the tour, but he was blowing up and it was all going, kind of going to his head. He was partying and he was just shitting on everybody, all of it, all the whole team included. And it was just yeah. a gnarly, it was a gnarly time. I mean, we've made amends and we're good now, but it was, it was like, it could get no worse than having a teammate like that. Like Damn. if we didn't do what he wanted or do what he said, he would, he would just be like, I'm not skating the next two demos. Like he would try and punish oh he would try and punish us by leveraging the fact that people wanted to see him skate or we needed him to skate demos if we, he didn't get what he wanted. Wow. And I I'd never experienced that before. That was the ultimate worst. That sounds brutal. Worst company. How about every scooter brand? <laughs> Perfect. There we go. Razor. <laughs> worst trend. I think the trap music and edits where everyone zooms in on tricks multiple times <laughs> i like it. yeah worst style everybody who's oversteez their you know stuff last person you want on the sesh i think niger because it just make you feel like shit <laughs> that's yeah. some truth right there the classic does the trick that you want to do while he's warming up or something i mean i probably we wouldn't have to worry about that with niger but yeah. No, I just think that I think skating with people that are like super on point or like super good is sometimes just like demotivating. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm trying to hate on Nigel, but I just feel like I feel like skating with him would just be like the ultimate crusher. Oh, you know who's others tough is Ashad. I actually that's not the worst on the sesh, but when Ashad's there, I don't I can't skate. I just have to watch him. Yeah. He just he just does everything constantly and it's really difficult for me to skate when he's skating because I just want to watch everything he does and I feel like I'm wasting time skating while he's killing it. <laughs> yeah, fuck. We haven't had the privilege of seeing him skate, but I can only imagine. Oh, it's insane. There's nobody there's nobody like him that is just stacks like he puts so many tricks into like whatever, one run or like he just goes around in circles and is just like nailing everything and it's constant and it'll last for hours like i've sat down and watched him just go and it's it's crazy wow well on that note that's a rapidy wrap thank you so much jamie for taking the time man really appreciate it my pleasure man thanks for having me it's been a uh it's been good chatting with you guys Oh yeah, Jamie. Maybe uh, we'll end up on thrill of it all one day. Who knows? You know. Yeah, I would. I would love that. I would love that. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. I appreciate it, and I, I like what you guys do. Nothing but respect. I appreciate it. Take care. Hell thank yeah. you so much. Looking forward to thrill of it all, and your all right, next man. part. Hell yeah. I hope I don't disappoint. <laughs> Cheers. It's time for the post office brought to you by our good friends over at Time Bomb Trading. And we are super proud to be doing an ad for a good friend of the show, Wade Desarmo. He's got signature colorways in the SXL Slim Mid coming in a nice black and gray colorway. And then the XL Slim in white. These are super clean shoes brought to you by one of the cleanest skateboarders in skateboarding history. Wade Desarmo, well deserved my dog. Everyone out there needs to lace their feet in a pair of Wade's signature S colorways. Make sure you head down to your local skate shop and grab them before it's too late. You've got mail. All right, first up, we got an email from Mitch Strait. What's up, Bunters? Love the pod and figured it was high time I write in with a couple questions. 
In tradition of the show, I'll ask one sport and one skate. What is your take on the potential of a Johnny Manziel returning to the NFL after all his antics when Colin Kaepernick still isn't signed to a team? Man, honestly, I don't think Johnny Manziel is returning to the NFL, to be honest. He might find a home in the CFL, but I think uh, the NFL is a hard one to make a comeback in once you're gone. It seems like you're gone, man. That being said, RG3 signed to the Ravens. It's a big move. I heard it's funny because, yeah, last year I think he had an offer from the Ravens. He turned it down thinking, you know what I'm saying, his shit was sweet. But no one else came calling. So he's like, yeah, yeah, I held out waiting for a better offer. Nothing came. Went crawling back. You better make the most of it, Deggy. We all know that uh, Colin Kaepernick should be on a team. He's better than half the backups in the league. And uh, that's just a sad story, man. Yeah, I've. It's weird because you want Johnny, you want everyone to get a second chance, but then it is that weird thing of like, if Johnny gets one and Colin doesn't, it's kind of fucked up. But, you know, hopefully all three, or hopefully both of them can get back in the league one way or another. Mm -hmm. So a skate question is, my homie and I started a game of skate bet that whoever has the most wins this year has to buy the other person a bunch shirt. We personally love that bet. Currently, I'm winning four to two. My question is, when you guys play skate, do you go for the basics or go straight to bangers? And who usually wins between you guys? Well, first of all, good luck. Keep it up. 4-2, you're looking pretty good. You're going to get that bunt tee real soon. And as far as our games of skate, uh, we, we keep it pretty mellow. We don't come out swinging with fucking nollie trays and shit. Trying we to have some play fun. play skate to warm up. Exactly. That's when we're playing. Unless there's a little beef thing going, but... Um, <coughs> Honestly, I always lose in skate. I'm terrible at skate, man. Consistency is not my thing. Safe is usually uh, makes light work of me. But there was this one time we were both locked in at four years ago. And I think the trick was Safe had to do a switch tray. And I had to do a ghetto bird first. And I think I pulled it off and beat him. So <laughs> I'm going to hold on to that one forever. Uh, don't don't underestimate yourself. You fucking Donald weirdly can just bang shit out in games of skates fucking he's falling on shoves warming up and then all of a sudden he's doing nollie vario flips when it's time to make it pop he says keep up the good work and keep bringing them gunshots definitely all right next up we got a voice note from alex wood let's take a listen what up bum boys this is a local ontario boy that's been following for a long time that's heard every episode at least three times uh my question is what is your guys' favorite song that's ever been in a video part? I'm watching Fully Flared right now, and I really love when uh, Mike Carroll skates to uh, 3-6 Mafia. And, uh, yeah, hit me back with what your favorite song is, because uh, everybody knows there's been a bunch of terrible songs and some amazing videos. So let's hear the hits. Damn, B. Respect. Listening to every episode three times, yo, that's some real fucking shit right there. That's a real one. As far as hits go, fuck, there's so many amazing songs and skate videos, but um, let's just go with Jay-Z, Big Pimpin', 401163, love that montage, Terry Kennedy, P-Rod, Jeremy Rogers, and Eric Bjorn, or what was his name? Fuck. Bjorn Johnson? No, no, it wasn't him. It was the, their homie who films now. Bjork? Eric, I don't know, man. You know what I'm talking about? Any 50-50s that rail to drop? Anyways, 
Man, we could have actually sat here and built the list of, of sin of songs we like. So we just picked two quick ones. Oh, sorry. Wait, before quick, gotta mention uh, <laughs> the legend Van Wastel was the one who sparked that montage, and it oh. was so dope. And he does that drop off the curb and makes the the tail tap. Legendary. Yeah, we could have sat here forever and made uh, the longest list possible, but uh, first one that came to mind was Dandra Hobel, Free Your Mind. It's the time of the season. So good. Thanks for the email, Alex. I mean, voice note. Oh, and he says, PPS, a Sheldon Melashinsky episode would make my ear. Trust me, B. One at a time, baby. One at a time, but he's definitely on our list too, you dig? Next up, we got another voice note from the homie Brandon Ortiz, straight from Steezy's Trap House. Let's hear it. Hey, what's good, y'all? It's your boy Steez checking in from Orlando, Florida. Hot as fuck already out here. I gotta say, as a fellow skateboarder with a podcast, been doing mine for a little over two years. It's called Steezy's Trap House. Shameless plug. Check that shit out. It's hard as fuck. You don't see the behind-the-scenes shit all the time. There's a lot of editing, a lot of scheduling, a lot of near-miss encounters, just a bunch of bullshit that goes on with it. So... I want to know about maybe some setbacks that might have happened with some of the episodes so far. Something that we may not know. Maybe an episode almost got close to not airing or not even happening in the first place. Second off, no punishments have been named yet. I know y'all have your respective hates for KD and LeBron, so I'm going to go ahead and throw this punishment into the ring, see if anybody likes it. The respective loser has to buy the jersey, authentic NBA jersey, of the respective person they hate, and film a line at Dumbat in that motherfucker. Drop the mic. Do that shit. Love the pod. Y'all fucking killing it. Peace. Man, that is uh, a very good thing to bring to light. A lot of work does go on behind the scenes here with the editing, scheduling, finding guests, etc., etc., um, a couple hardships that come to mind were Darren Harper was a hard man to get a hold of. <laughs> yeah. We scheduled a time with Darren Harper, and uh, I think we were sitting in Studio E for three or four hours. Man said he went to the convenience store, <laughs> never came back. Next day, he hit me up, said that uh, he ran into his homie at the convenience store, and they ended up chilling for the rest of the night. So we got stuck here. St- uh, twiddling our thumbs. Twiddling our thumbs at Studio E. Another loose ball that was kind of hard to lock down was Brandon Turner. We kept trying to do it, and finally, we got him on the line. And next thing you know, we could just hear cars in the background. He did it on his drive from, like, SD to LA or something. Stopped for food, all kinds of shit. Straight we, data. We were super desperate for an ender for that season. We had nothing popping. We were behind. The stress was real. But uh, Lil B came through in the clutch like a real G and uh it was dope another two other funny ones were uh phelps and stevie we had, we did over the phone usually we facetime our guests but we did it over the phone like crouched down like both of our heads were next to each other trying to listen to the phone and then record it was, it was wild but as a fellow podcaster and we'll check out your pod yeah you know about them them behind the scenes struggles but it's all fucking good when when that shit pops off proper hey man congrats on two years we're quickly uh, approaching our two-year mark and uh it ain't easy man but yo our first punishment suggestion we like it man unfortunately i don't think either of us could ever succumb to buying the other jersey straight up full price so we'll we'll figure something out there <laughs> 
Yeah, I would love to see you do a line at Dunbat in a Durant jersey, though. Damn. All right, next up, we got another voice note from Dylan Webb. Let's get it. Yo, what up, Bunt? This is Dylan from Fayetteville, Arkansas. Uh, I'm a new listener, but I've been loving the podcast. Been listening to it a fuck ton while I've been working. A couple things I wanted to bring to y'all's attention that I think you would enjoy. Some hijinks clips. I remember growing up as a kid watching some of the Baker videos. Beagle is a great filmer for a few reasons he's not the most technical filmer ever and he's not the best at what he does but he is the best at the high jinks and uh, one thing that stands out for me is i believe it's in the death wish video or baker has a death wish it's a high jinks video where they're skating a set looks like it's on a university or something like that and this guy comes trucking through on a, on a longboard and the scene is beautiful where it's an empty empty college campus and you can tell that there's plenty of places he could have gone but a of course he tries to ride by the skaters and as soon as he gets in front of the set <laughs> he gets speed wobble and spins out and bops his head really hard and uh, it's the funniest thing because he's wearing a helmet and i just remember being like 15 16 stoned with the homies just hyper analyzing that clip and so that being said what is your favorite hijinks clip maybe favorite beagle hijinks clip peace man i'll be listening weekly let's get it Yo, thanks for the email, homie. Hyped on our new listeners. Still, definitely big fans of Beagle over here. Definitely got some of the best hijinks in the game. And the one that comes to mind for me, my favorite one, let's just fucking throw it on. You know what I'm saying? You're fucking crazy. What you think about this, man? You have a poopa? Rupert blood clot. I think everyone was screaming that after that. <laughs> hey, shout out to Antoine Dixon, man. Legend. Donald, what you got? So Sava picked uh, a Beagle one. I'm going to go outside the box. One of my favorites of all time was uh, Eric Costin's intro to Yeah Right when he's snapping on that guy, trying to get his wallet off him for breaking into his whip. Got to see the real Costin for a second, man. Yeah, that was crazy. And that was uh, an epic intro for an epic part. One for the homies back in the day when uh, we made our little kid video. Safe as intro. He's uh, sitting there on some stairs with some cuts on his hands. And he says, can't skate once again. Fuck. <laughs> Cash money. That's, uh, that's a good one, too. Search that up on YouTube. Safe a B, huh? That's where it all began. <laughs> Classic. Garbage. All right, next up, we got an email from Josh Luff. Holy shit, two weeks in a row, two of social media's favorite skateboard personalities. Weren't they separated by Austin Gillette? Yeah, come on, Deggy. Pretty close, though, pretty close. Who didn't skip Austin. Austin, though? Damn. Jeez. Do you guys remember the Big Brother Bong Olympics? Get your boys at dime for the next glory challenge to have a Beeble versus Wecking Ball bodybuilder Bong Olympics. Give the people what they want. Hey, man, not a bad idea. We uh, will definitely alert the authorities. <laughs> Josh Clark, you listening? Thanks for the email, Josh. Next up, we got an email from Matt G. Contest punishment. Yo, loser has to wear pink colored camel pants and a Trump Make America Great Again hat. Got to wear it all day in public and skate in it. 
Also, I don't recall you mentioning Wes Kramer when it comes to the Switch Trey Gang. He's got him in damn near every one of his parts. Heavy ones, too. Keep up the good work, boys. Yo, come on. Obviously, Wes Kramer's Switch Trey Gang. He's fucking everything, gang. He can do anything he fucking wants on a skateboard. Certified boss. Certified legend. Certified Switch Trey captain. Certified future guest, man. Let's go, Wes. Oh, we yeah. You, shit. Baby. Yo, yo. Fucking Jimmy Asterfold. My bad, B. Fucking season seven, you dig? We'll get that popping. As far as your uh, punishment goes, ain't no way in hell are either of us wearing that hat. <laughs> and uh, well, that's the it's the punishment, man. It's not going to be easy. But that's but, just you're going to walk around in that because you're going to lose. You are I'm you down by to wear one that? point? I like the pink camp. The pink colored camel pants is a good start, though. I like that. Filming a clip. Oof. I like that because both suggestions were skating it after which i fuck with so jersey and the camel pants yeah you in a durant jersey and some pink camel oh all day hell yeah people wouldn't uh think twice if they saw you in that just average day maybe a rip and dip hat (laughs) you coming at your own voice now no i was just saying because you you hate them it'd be funny (laughs) if you had to if you don't hate them there's something wrong with you plead the fifth i don't know what's popping in the states all right next up we got another voice note from Darren Balaban. Let's take a listen. Yo, what up guys? This is Darren over in LA. I uh, want to give a shout out to Ted Barrow, Wecking Ball, and Austin Gillette for keeping it real. The gunshots were validated and awesome. Anyway, wanted to see if you guys had any hobbies outside of skateboarding and sports. What else keeps you busy? Also, we grew up in the same era. Um, what is your favorite 90s or early 2000s video part that you would have to have on repeat for the rest of your life all right that's it for me uh keep them coming guys later hobbies outside of skateboarding and sports man there really uh isn't much time left in our lives we do the podcast we work skate and play sports in between the only thing i got time left for is a little bit of fantasy my dog that's about it that's under the sports umbrella too so that's us in a box yo fucking Skate, sports, sleep, eat. That's about it. It's only 24 hours in a day, man. Crack some brewskis. Yeah, I'm saying. I should get back into Traveling's a hobby. We try yeah. to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. I used to play the drums. <laughs> when? Like, djembe. Back in, you know, back in the day. <laughs> How long ago? Like fucking grade eight. Yeah, 15 years. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's hard to think of something else. Yeah, like when we were younger, we would play video games too. You had your computer thing. I'd play some NHL, but... Counter strike all day, baby. Yeah, the bunt, the bunt took over all of that. This is our hobby now. Yeah, shit, yo, we're boring. And as far as late '90s, early 2000 video parts, the first one that popped into my head was um, AVE in the DC video, the song, the skating. Just uh, been a huge fan of his ever since. And then the Perception video for all those T dot locals back in the day: Warren Ungin, Simon Disher, Johnny Tang. Craig Wilson, Glenn, calling all of them. For me, the one that jumps to mind is Mark Appleyard in Digital Invasion. That part had the best style possible. Amazing song. And uh, yeah, YouTube that one. If if anyone listening hasn't seen it, it's fucking, it's short but sweet. It's like a lot of his leftovers from Sorry, but it's just flawless. And then if we're going more local, I know Grant was an international dude but he had a local part in a local video called switch 
and uh, Grant Patterson switch part. Fucking love that shit. All right, y'all. That's going to wrap up the post office for this week. Couple left over. The post office is flooded these days. We're going to get to all of them, though. Don't you worry. Real shit. Love the voice notes for sure. Keep them coming. Keep the emails popping. The bun live at gmail.com. All right, y'all. It's the Skateboard World source for sports, the rundown. Let's get right into it, man. The playoff picture has been set in the NHL. We have our resident NHL guru here, the ghost. He knows the ins and outs of the league. We're going to get his predictions on round one of the NHL playoffs. First pick, Nashville versus Colorado. We're starting in the West. (laughs) That's light work. Fucking Nashville is going to do their thing. And fucking dust Colorado 5-1 I mean 4-1 4-1 It's a pretty big feat for Colorado To make the playoffs Trade away their best player this year Everyone thought they were tanking And prove them well Got Get that cancer out of the room And he ended up in Ottawa <laughs> Next up is the Winnipeg Jets Versus the Minnesota Wild Whew. The Winnipeg Jets have absolutely shredded The NHL this season Yeah that's another 4-1 series baby You know what I'm saying Winnipeg stand up Next up, which will be one I'm keeping a close eye on, Vegas. They had themselves a hell of a season. William Carlson, absolutely snapping. Going to get himself paid. They're going up against the tried and tested Los Angeles Kings, man. Oh, the Kings? The Kings are one of my teams, but you know I hopped on that Las Vegas Dark Knights wagon. And uh, it's going to game seven. I love that. Vegas is taking it. They're actually the Golden Knights, but uh, the Dark Knights will do. Right. Next up, a battle of California. These two teams seem to play each other in the the playoffs every year. Anaheim versus San Jose. That's a barn burner right there. I'm saying it's going to be fucking 4-2 Anaheim this year. Okay. Even though I fuck with the Sharks. I'm saying the Sharks are doing it this year, man. They're winning. So we'll slide over to the east. The Tampa Bay Lightning versus your New Jersey Devils. Oh, The Devils missed the playoffs a couple years in a row. Made a big trade getting Taylor Hall in the offseason. And uh, it's proved them well. You already know New Jersey is my second love in the NHL. Obviously, the Montreal Canadiens are my first. But the Devils, you know what I'm saying? Sakura era. They've got a solid franchise. They're always making the playoffs and shit. They got rings. I'm going New Jersey in six. All right, New Jersey in six. Tampa Bay has tailed off towards the end of the season a little bit, but they still got some serious firepower over there in Kucherov and Stamkos. Yeah, yeah. I'm of going course. with Tampa. Of course. Uh, Next Kucherov. up, <clears throat> Kucherov's the real deal, man. I'm going to show you some highlights. Next up, the Washington Capitals versus the Columbus Blue Jackets. So Ovechkin going to do it this year or what? I feel bad for them Capitals fans. Fucking, it's always a heartbreak down there. Same for the Wizards fans. It's tough. Yeah, I'm saying, but Ovechkin's my guy. I think this year they pop it off. Do they have home ice? Yeah, they're at home. Oh, it's a wrap. Ovechkin's going to fucking do his thing. It just goes to show you, man, you can be good in the regular season for 100 years. You still might not win. Next up, the Battle of Pennsylvania. The Pittsburgh Penguins and Phil Kessel versus the Philadelphia Flyers. Some young Scarborough men over there. Damn, I, I feel bad for them young young Scarborough men. Kessel and fucking the Golden Boy. 
going to do their thing. And Malkin, back-to-back champs. They uh, seemed like they took some games off this year. Weren't uh, the, the power they usually are in the regular season, but it's the playoffs, man. And that's when these guys show up. Yeah, you can fucking coast through the regular season and fucking turn it on when it matters. And now, the peace, the resistance, the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to, what do they call it, extract revenge? Is that the saying? Exact. Exact revenge? Are you sure? Yeah. Extract. (laughs) Yeah, we taking it out on the Boston Bruins, man. We get, it's time for uh, our revenge for real. Y'all know who I'm going with. Who are they playing? The Bruins? The Bruins. Oh, hell no. On the road. The Bruins have home ice. Yo, fuck the Bruins, yo. I was in Vancouver a few years ago, and uh, my man fucking Ty James had to smash a TV when they fucking lost in that insane Game 7. Everyone at the crib was fucking pissed right off. Here's the fucking revenge, yo. Let's extract some of that revenge juice and insert it in our veins. Now, now you're now you're getting somewhere, man. All right, next week we'll see see how our picks are doing, man. Let's slide over to the NBA. The playoff race is heating up. The Raps have locked down first in the East. The Philadelphia 76ers with Joel Embiid are absolutely rolling. Ben Simmons, the Fresh Prince, killing it. But all the actions in the West, man. Yeah, the East we got. It's set. Who's making it? The seedings may change up a little bit, but the eight teams are set. Detroit, you're dust. Blake Griffin. Isn't that a sad story, you're man? You're a fucking bum. Uh, I'm a Stan Van Gundy fan, but damn, man. That might, he might be on the hot seat after this fucking flop of a season. They had something going there with a little bit of depth, and they went and fucking ruined it. But yeah, the eight teams are locked in the Eastern Conference. Toronto, Boston, Philly, Cleveland, Indiana, Miami, Milwaukee, and Washington. We'll keep a close eye on that to see who ends up facing who in the first round. But like I said, man, the West, it's a goddamn swamp over there. Nine through nine through three is separated by three goddamn games, man. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? You look all the way up at Portland and Utah. They've clinched, but their seedings could still, could still change. But the race is between Denver, Minnesota, Oklahoma City, San Antonio, and New Orleans, separated by one game. I've never seen it that close. That is nuts right now. Yo, fit, cross your fingers, everyone out there. Right now, if the playoffs started today, we'd have the Golden State Warriors against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yo, let the fireworks begin. That could be an upset. Every series in both conferences right now. It's wild. Can be an upset. Mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if any team got upset in the first round. I think the playoffs are going to be an absolute barn burner this year. I think year. Houston's going to handedly win their first round. Oh, yeah, yeah true. J- Jimmy's back, but yo, actually, no, I watched last time they played in the regular season. I watched them and they, they shot all over them. But I think that was when Jimmy Butler got injured. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. I mean, James Harden's just on another planet right now. I don't even think he knows who he's playing every night. <laughs> that's true. That That's the one that's probably a wash. But yo, man, Jimmy Butler... Cat and Town and Seven and games, Wiggins. man. Like, Seven games. You really get to know each other out there. And uh, they can get under their skin, change the way they're thinking. Anything is possible. But of the four I said, or sorry, five, New Orleans, San Antonio, Oklahoma, Minnesota, and Denver, one is not making it, man. Who's it going to be? I wanted to say Spurs a couple weeks ago, but you know what I'm saying? They're looking at this right. point, they're, they're looking pretty good. It's two games be- left each. They all have two games left. Denver's on a six-game winning streak, I believe. Five. Five. 
everyone who had to win the other night won. Like all those teams are winning right now. I, I think they might all win out, and Denver's going to be on the outside looking in. Oh, but there's some big ass games coming up between some of these teams battling. So we'll see. I wouldn't. I would love to see Jokic and shit make the playoffs. I predicted New Orleans was. I was if New Orleans say, falls it out, wouldn't surprise me. If New Orleans falls out, then I predicted the eight that make it not in the right seating, but they're all there. I don't. I don't want to see AD play fucking oh MVP no. basketball and then not make the playoffs. He's got to get in, man. Sadly, I think it will be Denver that misses out. Yeah, they they don't have Gary Harris. They need him desperately. But man, it's I'm tired of giving them a pass. Like the last couple years, I I kept thinking they could fight for the eight seed, and they keep coming up short. They are fighting. I know, but I thought they would make the playoffs last year maybe and then this year i was like for sure they're making it there's only so many seats in the car yeah all right quick one two nfl update what do we have rg3 to the ravens quick thoughts think he's gonna get some playing time behind flacco they gotta be sick of that guy eventually yeah fuck there's no harm in in seeing what he's got left in the tank best of luck and a huge trade from uh the New England Patriots shipping out another wide receiver. Already lost Danny Amendola. <laughs> Danny Amendola. They've traded Brandon Cooks to the St. Louis Rams. To the Los Angeles Rams, I mean. Dog, the Rams are beefing up. And I don't think there's a damn thing Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be able to do against them. Hey, we'll see, man. <laughs> the Rams are... Holy crap. It's but, yo, unstoppable right now. What's up with the Patriots, though, man? I guess, yo, Brandon Cooks and Tom Brady were never, they never clicked. It wasn't like, the thing they were looking for. Yeah, they, they, they obviously had some big plays and some big games from Cooks, but it wasn't like, there wasn't that special chemistry. Yeah. And then he got dusted in the Super Bowl. I think the, the, the theory here for the Patriots is, and they're, they're getting a pick back from Cooks, is that they need help on defense, man. They're going to score points no matter who's out there. They're getting Edelman back. They got Chris Hogan's going to be healthy. They maybe take a wide receiver in the draft later on, but they really need help on defense, man. When Nick Foles scores on every goddamn possession, you need some help. That's real talk. Allocation of assets, I believe they refer to it as. Real shit. I right, yo. Let's turn it over to Mike Henry for some footy chat. What's up, boys? Mike here, back again for some more footy chat. And Manchester is red. That's right. There's only one game to talk about this weekend, and it's the Manchester derby. Manchester United took on league potential league champions Manchester City, and after two goals coming from Ilkay Gundogan and Manchester City captain Vincent Company. They had Manchester United looking absolutely defeated by the end of the first half. But never underestimate Manchester United because upstep Paul Pogba. He scored two goals in under two minutes, putting United back level. And then on the 69th minute from a set piece comes the right foot of Chris Smalling to put the Reds ahead and completely flip the script on City's big day. Because had City managed to hold on to that two-goal lead, they would have been crowned champions. But that day will have to wait because Manchester United spoiled the party. Anyway, that's it for me. Uh, uh, Somehow Tottenham managed to beat Stoke 2-1, putting another nail in Stoke's relegation coffin. And uh, Arsenal managed to hold off Southampton 3-2. That's it for me, boys. Cheers. Thanks for that breaking news, Mike Henry, with the footy chat as usual. I wonder what Denver Mans is saying. Anyways, let's keep it moving and get into that Wax Weekly. Uh, I'm excited to, to tally the scores. What's popping, B? Oh, you're excited, are you? We received a couple punishment suggestions today. Things are heating up. And uh, 
Unfortunately, things didn't go too well for me. In week six, Sava correctly predicted the Utah Jazz would beat the Minnesota Timberwolves and that the Denver Nuggets would beat the Milwaukee Bucks, giving him two on the week. And I correctly predicted the Winnipeg Jets would beat the Leafs, bringing our total tally to nine all. It's episode eight, and we're tied up. It's a 0-0 ting. Let's see what we're doing this week, man. First matchup, guaranteed to be a barn burner. All the games are going down on Wednesday, so we'll have the results real quick. It's game one of the NHL round one matchup. Vegas versus the Los Angeles Kings. I think y'all know where we're going with this. I'm ride or die with my new squad. I haven't watched them play once, but I love the Las Vegas Knights. Hey, man, you've been a fan since day one, and uh, all I can do is respect you for that. But I'm a Kings fan, too. Just know. Yeah, you did ride them all the way that year. Eight seats to the Stanley Cup. Hell yeah. Predicted that shit, baby. And uh, a couple barn burners in the NBA. Y'all know what it is. Last day of the regular season, the San Antonio Ooh. Spurs are playing the New Orleans Pelicans. Could be for a playoff spot. They could both get in. We don't know right now, but you know it's going to be hot. Reggie. 2015 AD beat the Spurs last game of the regular season to get the eighth seed. Does he have it in him again? I'm saying no. Lamarcus gonna show up, do his fucking thing, and pop right off in his ass. So. You know what has been a crazy uh, moment of realization this year is that a couple years past we thought Lamarcus, you know, taking going by the wayside a little bit in San Antonio, wasn't getting the same numbers. But this year, man, no Kawhi. But I think it, I think it was more than no Kawhi. I think it was him and Pop getting on the same page. Yeah. In the before the season started, he's he's been back to his fucking. If you don't buy into 10, what Pop's 15, selling, yeah. it's gonna be tough sledding. Yeah. But I'm going with New Orleans. AD ain't standing for that shit, man. He's had enough. He's he's uh he's winning. And last but not least, another barn burner: the Denver Nuggets versus the Minnesota Timberwolves. Who the, the hell knows what's going to happen? The matchup of matchups that currently the eight and ninth seed. Whoever wins that game is most likely going to have the eighth seed. Holy shit. That's a barn <laughs> burner if I've ever seen one. I feel bad for them because not only like the motions are so high in this last game, but then you got to climb that hill again to go into round one and then you get the Houston Rockets. Good fucking luck. But the T-Wolves, you've been shitting on me for weeks now. Jimmy Butler's back. They ain't taking no for an answer. It's Minnesota, baby. I'm a Jokic fan, man. He's one of my favorite players in the league. Got to see him fucking fourth throw. Almost courtside in in Miami. I was blown away by the seven-footer and how smooth he operates out there. That's my guy. I'm 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 riding with fucking Jokic, man. But I love Cat, too. But uh, (laughs) it is what it is, man. All right, the picks are locked and loaded. It's going to be a monumental week in On Wax Weekly. The neither first of us, 3-0. The first 3-0. Neither of us want to wear pink camo pants or respective terrible NBA jersey. So wish us both luck. And with that, it's going to wrap up another episode of The Bunt. My dog. It is what it fucking be, eh? Yo, we'll see all my fuckers in Calgary still tearing up. <laughs>
Worst style. Should say Mitch Barrett just for jokes. <laughs> no. <laughs> no way. Mitch is dope. <laughs> Damn.